0: I'm gonna be boom You drive a hard bargain, Maxie. Alright, I'll be mayor. Burn, baby, burn! Okay, what is up everybody? This is Andrew, your host, and I'm once again joined by our senior Batman correspondent, Ben Wan. Hey, what's up? And this week, we are going to be continuing our deep dive into Batman Returns. Ben is going to regale us with what could have been with the uh, initial drafts uh, for Batman Returns, and I gotta say, man, I'm very excited to see (laughs) what's going to happen here.
1: Right, so we could even title this Batman Two, because that was actually the original title. They're just going to go full sequel. <laughs> Why not? It. But uh, the the earliest recording I could find about ideas for Batman Two was an interview with Sam Ham. I couldn't. I tried to find it again. I knew I read it, but uh, Sam Ham was very excited to go into the sequel okay. for Batman because his idea was that the next villain was going to be Two Face. Okay. Because it was called Batman
0: Two. Okay.
1: So, Two and Two-Face made sense. He already had yeah. Harvey Dent in the previous version. Right. Honestly, I would have loved to have seen that. It would have tried to... I, I'm sure he would have tried to develop that man and Dent's relationship more. Right. Billy D would have been Two-Face, you know, as right. in the first one and everything like that. Uh, however, the studio said no, it feels like, because it, it doesn't seem like there was any traction or any development towards trying to... There's no draft with Two-Face as a villain. Okay. In in uh, Batman Returns, for those who might not have listened to the previous episode, there's 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 all this talk that I'm going to spell about Max Shrek originally being Harvey Dent, and that uh, he the scar that the the explosion at the end with Catwoman would have caused him to be scarred, and right. would have been set up as the villain of the third movie. There is zero evidence for that. That is an IMDb rumor. I think somebody just wrote that up, but it's, it's not true. Uh, I can't find any evidence of it. The studio had wanted Penguin to be the villain of the next one. Because Danny DeVito was a big star at the time, it seemed like he was the only person that they could plug in. They wanted, you know, how do you follow up Jack Nicholson as the Joker? You right. follow him up with another star. Danny DeVito was already a star. Penguin was already a well-known villain. Billy D. Williams, you're gonna follow up Jack Nicholson with Billy D. Williams. I mean, not no offense to Billy D. Williams, but it's not quite the same star power, right? You know, and Two Face was not in the '60s show. They wanted somebody who was yeah. well known. Two Face wasn't. Yeah, remember, Two Face wasn't that well known. At the right, time. right, right. I'm sure there was a lot of people watching the 89 movie who weren't comic book fans who just thought, oh, they plugged the guy in from Empire Strikes Back. It right. You know, the Batman movie. So the studio wanted Penguin. Uh, Burton and Ham wanted Catwoman.
0: Just Catwoman.
1: Yeah, but so the compromise was both. <laughs> <laughs> so, and so
0: overcrowded superhero movies began. Yes,
1: and so Sam Ham got to work on Batman 2, and it's a weird alternate universe version of Batman Returns. Uh, it's cr- the story of Batman Returns is credited to Sam Hamm. Uh, yet it is kind of like the Tom Mankiewicz draft of Batman where it's not quite at all the movie that you saw. However, there's enough parallels to it that you can see why he was still given credit for it. Okay. Uh, it's weirdly the first time Sam Hamm is writing the movie version of Michael Keaton's Bruce because okay. all the previous versions that he wrote of it were you know, his own sort of more comic book accurate version of Batman, so this is the first time he's writing the movie versions of these characters as a sequel. And uh, I'm going to tease this: it would have established Batman as more of a detective.
0: Oh yeah, that's, of, course the, of course it got go. Of course it got cut.
1: <laughs> so what
0: else? What, can, what else yeah. could you expect there?
1: Let's let's dive in, and I'll go into why. But there there is a a mystery that is the backbone to this version of the Batman uh, two script. So <laughs> the 1986 draft for the first Batman movie. It introduced Gotham as, quote, as if hell had erupted through the sidewalks and kept on growing. And that, wow. that prose was what inspired Anton first. So naturally, Ham had to piggyback on that. And it starts with Christmas in Gotham. And he writes, it's finally happened. Hell has frozen over. <laughs> and that's how he describes <laughs> Gotham. Gothamites are shopping for Christmas. And there's a store selling Batman merchandise. Okay, tapes and toys and shit like that. There's there's are selling I've remnants. I've heard about
0: this store, yes. yeah, yeah.
1: St- the store selling remnants of the Batwing that was found in front of the cathedral. Oh my god, and everything like that. Uh, and then just like in the in, in Batman Returns, a crime happens for Batman to stop. Uh, it's not the Red Triangle Circus Gang, this time it's just a bunch of robbers on snowplows and everything. <laughs> uh, the Batmobile, you know, Bat Signal goes up, Batmobile goes after it. Um, the Batmobile does at one point turn around and use the fire from the you know afterburner okay but doesn't use it to kill anybody it uses it to defrost snow that's blocking this park where the snow plow guys have that would have been that would have been better <laughs> <So> than <laughs> what we got <laughs> and then then, then, then killing people <laughs> so batman chases after the snow plows is you know using gadgets to capture the robbers along the way uh at one point it finds itself on cracked ice and about to fall through which is a one of those like no-brainer Action sequences that you're just like, wow, why, why have we not seen that before? Right. Um, it has to use the grappling hook to get itself out of it and then ends up capturing the leader of the gang and everything and, and drops it off with the cops all gift wrapped. In, you know, as if to say, Merry Christmas. But it would have started off with a bang and like action sequence, Christmas in Gotham, crime still happening. OK. Uh, and we then get an introduction to a gang that calls themselves, weirdly enough, the Red Berets. Uh, they wear red berets, but they also wear sweatshirts with the Batman insignia. On it, we kind of see them briefly during the action sequence, but they're very much like um, they're basically followers of the Batman. They're like the sons of the Batman gang in the Dark Knight Returns comic, as well as you know those Batman copycats from the Dark Knight. Right. So this is like an early version of that. um so they're all like chanting about like we get to take back the streets take back the city they're like interrupting a press conference that gordon's giving and gordon's like you know what we have a working relationship with batman but we do not condone vigilantism in any form and he has to like keep raising his voice because they keep chanting uh alfred is like disturbed by this news and in wayne manor and he goes to serve bruce and this is where i guess sam ham writes his version of what the Batcave entrance would be to the Batcave in the. So this is version. Sam Ham
0: writing a, a draft over the original Waters one, at this point.
1: Yeah, this is the first draft of any Batman sequel right now. Oh, okay, Waters yeah, hasn't yeah. even been hired yet.
0: Okay, gotcha. Okay, I gotcha. Uh,
1: okay. Ham wrote this one, and this draft got thrown out and he got replaced. Okay, gotcha. So this is the original vision of what it was supposed to be. Uh, but apparently, the entrance to the Batcave in Ham's version of this is uh, a drawer. Alfred opens a drawer in the study that has the newspaper of. Thomas and Martha Wayne getting killed okay and under that is a switch that he flicks open and that opens up a bookcase bookcase and that leads to a stairwell but it sort of is like a reminder of the deaths and everything like that so it's kind yeah, of yeah yeah it even though what's funny enough in the in the final movie there's zero mention of the Waynes mm-hmm. or anything like that but it, it would have they would have had a couple references okay in this version so in the Batcave you know Alfred is coming down, and Bruce is like more copycats last night. No, I'm sorry, that's the wrong movie. No, Bruce is hanging upside down. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce is hanging upside down, and everything. And he's he's testing, he's experimenting with this one gadget, and Alfred can't quite figure out what it is. Um, but uh, Bruce is sort of absent-minded because he admits the holidays make him miss his parents and makes him think about his parents. Okay, yeah, like that. And he admits to Alfred uh, he doesn't know what to get Vicky Vale for Christmas.
0: Vicky Vale still around. In the Vicky strip. Vale is
1: in this script. Okay. Gotcha. It would have carried over. Kim Basinger would have reprised her role. Um, my theory. Uh, not to go on a tangent on that. My theory is that she didn't show up in Batman Returns because remember I told you in the 89 movie that she was John Peters' girlfriend? Yeah. In 1990, she met Alec Baldwin on a movie set. Okay. Uh, in 1993, they were married. Okay. So I'm guessing her relationship with Peters ended by the time Returns happened. So that's probably why she's not in Batman. Timeline checks out.
0: (laughs) Timeline checks out there.
1: So thanks to Alec Baldwin, Kim Basinger was not in the Batman sequel. Wow. Uh, God, the behind the scenes. All right, keep going. Uh, That is my theory, by the way. That's never been confirmed, but I looked at the timeline and did my own detective work on that. Yes. Uh, So you'll be interested in this. We finally meet the penguin in a prison cell full of bird cages. And we meet, quote unquote, his name is Mr. Boniface. Okay, Mr. Boniface was the name that he used in his very first opinion appearance uh, in the comics. Okay, um, cool, cool. and everything. that was his citizen name. Oswald Cobblepot came later. Gotcha. That was revealed in the Sunday comic strips and everything. So, I think him is just deriving from that comic, and I'm not sure if he. It's either he didn't know that Cobblepot was the name in the comics, or he was more devoted to that version of the comic. But anyway,
0: oh, there's no way he didn't know Cobblepot at this point,
1: right? Uh, I mean, it wasn't really in the 60s show. He would have to dig into. It's not like he can just go on comiXology and get comics. You know, you yeah, have to dig yeah. in and find stuff. So I I, I don't know. Okay. You know, uh, Boniface described as quote unquote. So fat, it seems his skin should burst. The adjective that comes to mind is obscene. Despite his eccentric appearance, he comports himself with overblown theatrical dignity fastidious in printing. He does not suffer insults lightly. Um, so he's mega fat, but he's <laughs> not, he doesn't have sharp teeth. He doesn't have bile spewing out of his mouth. He doesn't, he's not a pervert. Like he's very much the penguin of the comics okay. in terms of his personality. Okay. Uh, and he's been in prison for 13 years and he's up for parole. And he says, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a reformed citizen. I've been writing for these ornithology journals, which is the study of birds. You know, I've even trained a bird to say "crime does not pay." Uh, I stole all this money years ago, and you know, I can tell you where I hid the forty-two million dollars. Okay. So they're like, "Okay, cool." You know, you get to you get released, and as he's getting released, he goes back to his cell and finds out that all the birds that he kept in his cages are gone. Okay. And his cellmate is like, "I don't know what happened, man," but he looks and sees, you know, a pile of feathers and blood in the corner. Okay. And he figures that the, his cellmate some might kill the birds just out of you know out of spite and stuff for the fact the penguin's going free okay. so penguin sort of hides his rage and gives a walkman remember this is like 1991 <laughs> he gives like a walkman to the the <laughs> and leaves and as he leaves he gets greeted by his henchmen who reveal that the 42 million dollars he's returning is only a small portion of what he really stole, because what he really stole was $79 million. Okay. <laughs> so, um, this is all just an act to get out. And as he makes his escape, he presses a button on a device that creates a signal in the Walkman. Okay. And the cellmates listen to it and he doesn't know what's going on. But a pigeon comes down and then another pigeon and another pigeon and they all start pecking at him. And it's basically like Hitchcock's The Birds where he's swarmed okay. by pigeons and they basically peck his eyes out okay, and his face off and they peck him to death. And then the pigeons all sort of leave and follow the limo as the limo heads back to Gotham City to penguins freedom and everything like that. So penguins main MO in the movie was using pigeons to kill people okay. uh, and everything like that. Uh, sort of drawing off pitch cost of the birds, which seems like something that like you would have seen by now in the on the big screen. Like it, right. it makes sense, but it, it's never happened. <laughs> so right. it's 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 weird. Um, we go to. Wayne Manor and Vicky Vale's like, I don't know. We, we get reintroduced to Vicki Vale and she tells Alfred she doesn't know what to get Bruce for Christmas and Alfred jokes, you know, you can always get him surveillance equipment that I never go wrong with that. Um, but she has her own little subplot in this because she takes Bruce to Gotham Park and this is a park where a lot of the homeless people are living in. Okay. And her, she wants to, she's basically doing a photo story on uh, this construction magnet dude who wants to tear down the park Relocate okay. all the homeless people, and um, excuse me, and uh, create you know make millions off of this this building. And okay. this guy's an old friend of Bruce. His name is Shaw, and um, Vicky's like you know you got to do something about it. And Bruce is like what like tie him with a bat rope like what is Batman supposed to do in this situation? So this sort of introduces, introduces the theme that is Batman the, the main the main theme of Sam Hammond's Batman Two is how effective is Batman if he's not going after the corrupt rich who are basically finding these loopholes in the law. He's going after muggers on the streets, right? Right. Large right. criminals, but the big corporations and shit stuff that he's part of, he's part of that world. Right. Is he really doing anything? Is he really getting to the root of the problems? At least right. according to, according to the script. Um, so that creates the theme of how effective am I in this role? Gotcha. Uh, that's, that's in it. So that's the original theme the original arc that Batman was going to go through. Okay. Batman 2. Uh, as they're going through this, they overhear a police report that, you know, someone was mugged. The Red Berets were there, you know, the Batman followers, uh, but they ran off. And uh, this mugger instead got saved by some random bystander who okay. went off. And they don't know anything about the bystander. So they're like, okay, that's weird. But somebody, you know, other people might be out there inspired by Batman to fight crime, stuff okay. like that. And as Bruce, you know, Bruce and Vicky are walking by and he sees the Red Berets Batman shirt. And he's like, nice shirt. The guy's like piss off <laughs> to Bruce. <laughs> so it's kind of a fun uh, little moment there. But it, it it is already there's already more Bruce Wayne in this, it feels than right. in the Batman Returns movie. Right. Um then we cut to this there's of-
0: there's <laughs> almost no Bruce Wayne in <laughs> Batman Returns, it feels
1: like. I remember we watched the first 30 minutes. I'm just like Michael Keaton has had two lines yeah, so far yeah. and two scenes, really. Which
0: is fine, but it's just like, yeah, like you can. God, I, I wonder what his screen time is. Actually, not Batman, but Bruce Wayne. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Sorry.
1: So we go to this sort of dive bar where all the sort of skeezy people hang out in, and in walks in a woman with a black fur coat who unwraps her muffler, revealing "quote unquote" exotic, vaguely Eurasian features. She's really? dark and elegant, fine bone, regal of bearing, and her name, though we don't know it yet, is Selena Kyle. Okay. So, this is Sam Hamm's version of Selena Kyle. So, he
0: wanted like a half Asian, half white
1: type of Catwoman, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, why not? I mean, that was one of the first roles that, you know, in comic book history that had diversity in some way, right? Because you had Eartha Kitt playing her. That's true, yeah. You know, so like we've had a black Catwoman, several white ones. Um, but no Asian one, there's been no Asian,
1: and up and, until this point, yeah. So it, it's, it's, she is specified as, as you know, with your Asian features. So that would have been obviously, it wouldn't be Michelle Pfeiffer when I was reading this and envisioning this. Yeah, I'll go yeah. into my fan cast later. Yeah, but um, she's a very different version of Catwoman. Um, she's definitely more of a villain,
0: okay. In this gotcha. one, just
1: not next to no gray area in this version. Um, she is. Pretty much as sexual, or has as much sexual innuendos as Penguin does in the final film. Oh, really? <laughs> so it's very '90s version of, you know, sexy villain type thing that I don't think ages too well now. But yeah, anyways, she seduces this one guy at the bar, uh, sort of thing, and we cut to where that guy's supposed to be, which is where this drug shipment is. Okay, so she's basically seducing this one uh, drug dealer dude. And we go to the actual drug deal. And of course, there's a familiar figure with pointed ears in the shadows and everything. Uh, and as the deal happens, it gets interrupted by the figure. The figure lands, but it's not Batman, quote unquote, clad in inky black leather from head to toe. The intruder's face is concealed by what appears to be a bondage mask studded with bondage, openings yeah. for the eyes and mouth. It spans one incongru- incongruous touch a point a pair of pointed cat ears. Right. So this is Catwoman and Catwoman uses her rip. Uh, sorry. She uses her whip to reel guys in and she uses her talons to slash their throats. She's a she's basically a psycho killer in this version. Okay. She's not really the comic book version of Catwoman. Okay. Just more of a straight up killer. So she kills everybody except for one person. And that comes into play later. But um, there's one survivor, but she ignores him. She goes, she passes through all the drugs, ignores the drugs. And she opens this one thing and she finds a little statue of a raven. Okay. And she steals that. Okay. So first off, Catwoman actually steals in this. <laughs> so, <Okay. But laughs> she, other she, she she's but killing she also people. killing people. So it's like it's a weird thing. I'm like, okay, I guess we get the Catwoman thief. But we also get like a version of Catwoman that I'm not so down for. So yeah. she obviously meet Penguin back at his lair and reveal that they're working together. Um, he's like living in these like freezing cold traditions, conditions which stay true to the character. Uh, she gives him the Raven statue and they toast to what they call will be the second biggest crime of Gotham's history. Okay. So the question is, what's the first? And we're going to find out later. Uh, Gordon uh, has found the lone survivor of Catwoman's attack, and he's there with... Uh, a cop named Eddie Bullock. Oh shit! So Bullock is in this, but his name isn't Harvey. It's Eddie for some whatever reason. Um, and Bullock notes that. <laughs> Why do they do that? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they thought it would be confusing when Harvey Dent comes in and they're both named Harvey. I don't know. I guess. Uh, Maybe the,
0: that probably is it. Actually, the
1: survivor keeps saying uh, "murciélago," which is Spanish for bat. Okay. Because he thinks that Batman attacked it, and Gordon's like, "Well, that's that's insane. Batman has never committed murder." Right, I think he didn't watch the end of Batman Eighty Nine. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> in Gordon's mind, Batman... not a good
0: line. You'd have to change that line at that point. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but Gordon, people would be laughing. Gordon's like, That's the, it can't be Batman." But uh, Catwoman left a card in this guy's pocket that says, "Those who feed on the soul of Gotham will suffer my wrath," and it has a bat insignia on it. So already, Penguin and Catwoman are framing Batman for uh, crimes that are happening. So you can kind of see how there's there's parallels to what happened in the final movie. Right, right. Um, Gordon goes after the rich dude who had the cocaine shipment, um, and there's this cool scene. Gordon has a bigger role in this, too. <laughs> there's this cool scene where the guy's like, I come from one of the oldest, most influential families in Gotham. You plan to accuse me of smuggling drugs? Be my guest. I'll have your badge before you leave the room. Is that
0: part of the comics? Gordon has
1: that backstory? Well, what? Uh, Who who has the uh? Oh, Oh, this is the this is the guy he's trying to arrest. Oh, gotcha. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. So the guy he's trying to arrest is like, I'll have your badge before you leave this room. Okay. And Gordon looks at him and he's like, he turns back to the cops and he's like, book the son of the bitch. Okay. (laughs) So, this would have been like a way bigger role for Pat Hingle than either of the Burton movies (laughs) where he's just kind of on the sidelines. Like he literally just he just shows up in that in Return. He's like, thanks for saving the day, Batman. Like that's it. Like this would have actually showed up. He's barely
0: in that one. Yeah. He put he, he. pushes the dude's guns down yeah that's 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 the main there's an
1: undercurrent of like oh like I'm still on Batman's side but like he's not he doesn't do much so yeah um, the guy he's arresting requests a phone call so this drug guy ends up calling Shaw who's the construction dude okay and he and the, the construction dude's like why are you calling me and the drug rich dude says because someone took my Raven okay so all these guys are connected in a way okay uh, meanwhile, Vicki Vale is, um, sort of, she goes to Wayne Manor and she finds Bruce is l- watching these people debating whether or not Batman has had, you know, the right to kill these people. Like they're debating like, okay, if Batman has gone rogue, should we take him in? Like people, you know, the, the sort of political or television publicity side of things. Um, Bruce is in the back cave and he's listening to Gordon trying to defend Batman to city officials. And he knows that he's listening in because he's bugged Gordon's office because Gordon uses a Wayne Technologies computer. (laughs) Okay. So as you can see, this is elements of the detective coming in. Right, right, right. Um, And he turns to Alfred and Vicki and he's like, all right, looks like I've been framed. um, and so he experiments, and he he takes the Batmobile out, and the cops chase after the Batmobile throughout Gotham City. And it's revealed, surprise, surprise, it's on autopilot, and Batman's just you know somewhere else on another rooftop. Okay. But he's like, okay, my reputation is in shambles. What do I do? Um, Shaw, the construction dude, uh, is in the penthouse apartment to meet up with Selena Kyle about his art. She seems like she's about to have sex with him, but. Instead, she kills him and slices his throat. So bad night for that dude. <laughs> yeah. And she spreads his blood on the wall in the shape of a bat to okay. further frame Batman. And so this whole
0: framing thing has been there since day one. It's been
1: there since day one. And okay. she takes uh Shaw's Raven. Okay. And so he the, the other dude had a raven, she took this guy's raven. Batman hears the alarm go off and he forms his cape into the gadget that Alfred couldn't figure out what that was earlier. Yeah. He forms it into a glider. Okay. And he glides off. So that's the the Batman Cape glider would have been there from the beginning too. Uh Batman discovers Catwoman and he's kind of shocked by seeing her, like he is in the movie. Right. Uh and she gets she gets away by jumping on a passing bus and she leaves a note for him that says looking for love. Okay. And so it's sort of implied that there's a sort of there's a land of a love triangle going on in the script because we got Vicky too. Right. This. And so right, right, right. it's like Catwoman is the love interest for Batman, while Vicky's the love interest for Bruce. Right. Sort of feeling to it. Uh, and before Batman can chase after Catwoman, the cops find him and try to arrest him. And naturally he escapes because he's fucking Batman. Uh, but that's everything, everything that you saw in like towards the end of the second act of Batman returns happens like all in like the first hour of Sam Ham's version of this. Right. So he's already framed penguin and Catwoman for whatever reason are trying to collect these Ravens. We don't know why yet. Right. Uh, in the meantime, uh, the guy, even though the guy is dead, the construction crew is still trying to create this project because they've got millions of people's, uh, you know, money in it. So they're trying to scare the homeless people away, okay. out of it. Vicky's capturing the photos because she's like, "This isn't right," sort of thing. The construction workers catch her, uh, and they chase after her, and they tri- and you know, she runs away, but she trips, and before they get to her, a figure shows, uh, shows up and starts beating them up. And Vicky looks, and she sees it's not Batman; it's quote-unquote, it's a kid. 13 or 14 on the outside, sunken-eyed, grimy-looking, in a torn and tattered raincoat. He's spinning, pirouetting, kicking, clawing, in a furious display of pure athleticism. It seems like he's everywhere at once, and there's only one other guy in Gotham City who can handle himself like this. So, remember, we we heard about a previous figure who helped stop a mugging? This is that guy. And he's a 13 or 14-year-old kid. So... Uh, this is Robin? And this is going to be Robin. Okay, I just want to make that clear. <laughs> because she tries to thank him and she's like who are you and he says dick
0: <laughs> okay
1: <laughs> so there's this weird thing that's going on in batman returns development where they're like all right now we want robin again yeah but while the mankowitz version and the sam ham version and the julie hickson treatment and all those versions did the circus origin yeah the batman returns drafts kind of has this deliberate way of trying to find some other uh, unorthodox way to put Robin in without doing the circus origin or without showing the circus thing happening.
0: Well that 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 seems like such a side tangent. It does, yeah. You know, that would take up a lot of I mean, there was a lot of time put into like a lot of set pieces for Batman Returns anyway. Yeah. But yeah, it would have been even more so.
1: Yeah. Right. So to be honest, out of the Tom Mankiewicz draft, the Sam Hamm, the original Sam Ham draft for the eighty nine movie, this one and the Daniel Waters version of Batman Returns, as we'll get into later, this is actually my favorite way of them trying to incorporate Robin because it's they incorporate him early on. Uh, they create some sort of mystery around him and actually ties into the story multiple times as opposed to other versions where it just seemed like he was just thrown in there and, you know, for the sake of, of- shoving him in
0: it's more organic
1: it feels a lot more organic because you already got the subplot it's been planted in there he shows up within the first hour of the movie not the last half hour of the movie so it, it all feels it feels right in a way it feels like an interesting take to sort of reintroduce him so he's basically this homeless kid who's living out uh, you know he, his hideout Vicky sort of follows him and finds that he goes in this underground tunnel that's next to the statue of one of Bruce's ancestors. Okay. Um, and she sort of leaves him alone and tells Bruce about Dick, uh, but Bruce isn't really interested about this kid because he's more pissed about the fact that Batman's being framed, and you know all the newspapers are calling for Gordon's resignation, including the newspaper that Vicky works for. Okay, so that obviously causes some conflict between the two of them. Okay, the Batman merchandise store is already replacing their products with other stuff, <laughs> so like he's not he's not you know the famous figure anymore that's selling merchandise, and Vicky sympathizes with Bruce, but wonders you know is it a good thing that the corrupt rich are getting scared now? Because Batman wasn't really scaring those guys. You know, is it, uh, you know, are these guys, you know, going after them, is it getting to the root of the problem? So it's sort of exploring a class warfare type of thing, aspect to it. And whether, again, as I said, is Batman truly effective towards that? Um, So as Vicky's telling this to him, Bruce sees a newspaper ad that says looking for love, which is just like the note that Catwoman left for him. And he sees the message being just like, you know, saw you the other night on the roof, but you were too shy to say hi type of thing. I took the right. bus and you didn't follow me. That type of thing. Watch, watch for my other message. And okay. so he's like, OK, like how one's leaving me messages in the newspaper. But you see, again, there's already more of a detective aspect to of, of him, like figuring that type of shit out. He's trying to figure out why are they trying to frame me? What's going on here? Uh, Vicky then goes to her boss at the Gotham Globe Um, for whatever reason Alexander Knox doesn't show up at all in any draft of this even though they kept him alive supposedly they left they because originally Knox was going to die as I talked about in the 89 drafts Mm -hmm. but uh, and presumably they left him alive so he show up in the sequels he doesn't show up (laughs) so who does show up is her boss and she's enraged and it would have been an interesting scene for Kim Basinger because we're used to seeing her scream all the time in the 89 movie She would have gone to her boss and had the balls to be like, you know, how fucking dare you kill my story on homeless people? This is what people, you know, you're only doing this because you're friends with the guy who, you know, put money into that construction project and things like that. Right. And her boss is like, get out of my office and I'm going to forget, you know, you're one of our good ones. So I'm going to forget that you said all that type of stuff if you want to keep a job. So she leaves and after he dismisses her, he finds a note that says those who feed on the soul of Gotham will suffer my wrath. And it's Batman again. And he realizes he's the next target. So now Vicky's being affected because her boss is the next target for the penguin and Catwoman. Okay. And Everything. So it, as you can see, everything's starting to tie together. Um, Shaw was the guy who got killed and had his, his, uh, you know, blood smeared on the wall with a bat symbol. The drug right. guy gets out of right. prison, but then a pigeon flies by and drops uh, a pellet in there that creates, that basically causes the whole car to explode. So penguins basically taking off all of these rich dudes okay. throughout. And that causes Gordon to go to Bruce to go to Wayne Manor. And first Bruce is like, does Gordon think I'm Batman? But Gordon's like, well, you Shaw and these other guys, you guys help make up the five families of Gotham. Okay. Someone's targeting you. And so this kind of predates the Scott Snyder comics, where it was talked about the first families of Gotham being the Waynes and the Canes and everything like that. This is before, you know, this is before any of that type of shit. Ham already had those ideas
0: too. Isn't Jonah Hex Uh, family related to that? uh, Maybe. I mean, beginnings of Gotham.
1: Scott Snyder established the first families were the Waynes, the Canes, the Crowns, the Cobblepots and the Elliot's.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: Um, Funny enough, the Cobblepot, you know, Penguin is not one of the five families in in this one, obviously, but he's going after the five families and Bruce decides, okay, well, I got to get to the bottom of this. What do we have in common? Like why or why, why is the Batman imposter slash Catwoman doing this? So he goes to the Flugelheim Museum. Remember that museum? Yeah. The museum where uh, Joker attacked and uh, tried to kidnap Vicky Vale. So that would have came back uh, because there's an Egyptian exhibit there. And the opening and at the opening is, you know, Bruce goes there to meet uh, the fifth family member. His name is Tiptree. So he's there to meet Tiptree and the newspaper guy who's Vicky's boss. Okay. um, And find out, you know, what could, you know, why would they be going after us? And he also runs into the curator of the Egyptian exhibit, Selena Kyle. Okay. Selena works for the Flugelheim Museum in this version. and helps fundraising. And she's clearly interested in Bruce because she knows that he's, you know, he's another rich dude and everything. So she, he's another target. But Bruce doesn't know that, obviously. And Vicky's clearly jealous because she sees clear attraction between Selena and Bruce. So we kind of have this banter between Vicky and Selena over Bruce Wayne. Every time like that, They're sort of subtly fighting over him. And Selena gives her card to him, wanting to meet up with him. And again, Bruce doesn't know that she's Catwoman right now. Okay. Uh, so Selina tells Bruce when they serve me privately. She wants to see his collection at Wayne Manor. And Bruce is like, I don't have much of a collection. I just have this armory, <laughs> you know, okay. and, and stuff like that. But she wants to take Bruce's Raven uh, and everything. And it looks like they're about to kiss, but then Bruce gets an allergic reaction <laughs> to Selina's cat. What uh, really? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, Batman having uh, cat allergies is not the greatest. Yeah. Uh... <laughs>
1: uh and selena's cat is named. i'm gonna mispronounce hecate or hecate it's it's the same name as the cat in some of the old comics as well as the cat in the 66 can can you
0: spell it real quick
1: h-e-c-a-t-e
0: yeah hecate
1: or something so Anyways, he leaves the museum because he's having an allergic reaction to the cat. Honestly, I think Ham could have written a different (laughs) ending to that scene. And while Aside he he glances and sees a newspaper that says, hey, tall, dark and handsome. And she's like, oh, Catwoman has a message for me, even though he doesn't know he just left Catwoman. Right. And she says, Christmas is coming. Why don't we trim the tree together? And he realizes Catwoman is inviting Batman to the tree lighting ceremony.
0: Okay. So that's there from the beginning. So there's
1: another tree. There's a tree lighting ceremony in this version, too. So... Batman is like waiting to see what's happening at the tree, trimming, tree lighting ceremony. And at that time, the newspaper guy, the, the, you know, Vicky's boss is like, I'm getting the fuck out of this country because someone's killing everybody. They're taking their ravens. I'm going to take my raven too. So he tries to take his raven, but Catwoman, uh, he basically is, he, he tries to take an elevator up to the top of the Gotham Globe building so that a helicopter can take him away. But Catwoman attacks the helicopter and Penguin attacks the elevator that he's in. Okay, and he's there with a bodyguard and there's this horrific moment where the bodyguards like, I'm gonna check in what's going on because I f- we hear something on top of the elevator. So he opens the hatch of the elevator and he sees just a whole bunch of pigeons there and all of them attack him. and the newspaper guy in the elevator just he just he just sees the guy's legs just moving and everything and he's screaming and blood is spraying, and he, he drops and you just see this guy's face has been completely pecked off everything. <laughs>
0: Holy shit.
1: And Penguin is talking to the newspaper guy. And, you know, he's like, if you want to live, then you'll give me the raven. Okay. So he hands over the raven. And Penguin's like, thank you. And he basically sends, sends the pe- birds to kill the newspaper guy and sends the elevator all the way down where it kills the guy uh, for good. Uh, and to frame Batman further, Penguin has his henchmen dress up as the Red Berets, as the, uh, you know, the Batman followers. And they shove the guy's body out into the street. Okay. And then he causes uh, basically a whole bunch of bats to fly out of the tree, just like in the movie. So okay. everything's been framed uh, towards Batman, except instead of like one thing, like in the movie, it's just a whole series of different murders. Batman's like, I got to stop this. So he tracks down Catwoman and they get into a fight at the top of the Gotham Globe building. Uh, and she basically kicks his ass.
0: Um, <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> that's kind of what happens in the Returns. Actually, right. Yeah, the first they, both thing, ver- yeah.
1: Yeah. They both in both versions, his first encounter of Catwoman, she kicks his ass, which... I don't know. I mean, he trained in God knows how many martial arts.
0: That's that. a thing. It's like, <laughs> what is her training? You know that they don't really go into that because they don't really have an answer for it. I feel like,
1: uh, yeah, not, not in this. You mean incarnation. the comic or, oh yeah. in this incarnation is not explained. She's just like a career criminal and stuff like that. But I'm just like, still like, you're going to beat Batman. What's the
0: general explanation for it, for it in uh, the comics. As Ted far Grant. As fighting? Ted Grant.
1: Uh, for those who don't know, Ted Grant is, um, wildcat. The, Oh the- Yeah. The justice society of america's uh favorite boxer but he was the one who supposedly trained uh, both bruce wayne her i think even superman at one point he's definitely the black canary he's basically the go-to superhero to train other superheroes type of thing there's a comic uh where she does get training from him okay uh, to defend herself and stuff when she this is the version where she's up against stand the pimp and was a prostitute and, and sex workers things like that but anyway uh, she nearly tries to Raiders of the Lost Ark Batman by trying to shove him into the helicopter blades. Oh, my God. <laughs> and he manages to, I think Catwoman's hair is exposed in this version under the mask. So he yanks her hair in order to get free from that. Um, and uh, an armed SWAT team shows up on the roof uh, to go after him. And kind of just like in the in the movie where Gordon's like, hold your fire and everything like that. But he, he keeps going after Catwoman. And she w- wraps a whip around him and has him dangling off the edge. Just like in the movie, too. Okay, uh, and she makes a rant about like how men and how they find her intimidating, and that, but she finds him attractive because he's different from everyone else. So, kind of playing off of the whole like attraction mask, attracted to mask type of thing. Um, and she's like, "But you know, you're attractive, but not enough for me to let you live." Type of thing. So she right. cuts the rope with her talon, and Batman's falling, but he uses the glider get to try to get out of it, okay. and ends up making a rough landing in the middle of a crowd. Now, the crowd is pissed off at Batman at this point. So oh, they all right. try to attack him. They try to take his mask off, but it looks like Batman's learned from the last movie. Cause remember in the last movie, the thugs tried to take the, the mask off yeah, and Vicky, uh, you know, started taking pictures. So when they tried to take it off, the uh, mist or sort of a gas comes out of the bat emblem that uh, knocks a few of them out. And Batman sort of gets revived, fights them off, starts fighting off cops and takes one of their horses and goes off on horseback. So again, we got Sam. I don't know what it is with Sam. i liking Batman on horseback, but he's back on horseback. Bullock is leading the cops to go after Batman and Batman's like, how do I get out of this? And he sees the statue of general Wayne, his ancestor. And he remembers what Vicky told him about uh, that one kid Mm -hmm. and everything. He's like, maybe that kid can help me. So he takes off his cape and attaches it to the horse and says the horse off so that the cops keep chasing after that and hides under you know hides in the hideout and he finds this sort of this like little home that this kid's made out for himself and among the belongings there is this red and green gymnast outfit with a yellow cape and an R symbol on it okay and he's like hmm that's interesting so Batman takes off his mask and tries on some of the clothes that's there but Dick discovers him and he's like hey that's mine you're an intruder right. and fights him and it's not until Dick gets a good look at him that he's not only sees Bruce's face but he sees the bat insignia and he realizes holy shit this is Batman and there's like this tense standoff where they look at each other as they hear the cops and everything. Right. And Bruce is like, is this kid going to rat me out or is he going to help me? And Dick grabs a coat and throws it to Bruce. And then he runs out and basically tries to distract the cops and he helps. He basically helps Bruce escape. Okay. So it shows that he's kind of on their side. So Bruce goes back to Wayne Manor and there's this great exchange here where Alfred's like, you know, Commissioner Gordon called. He wants to install a full contingent of police guards here at the manor in round the clock shifts to protect you from Batman. And Bruce is like, what did you tell him? And Alfred says, well, I told him that since you were a Batman, you required no protection from Batman. (laughs) Bruce is like, thanks, Alfred. So (laughs) Selena visits the manor. Okay. Uninvited. Bruce is like, what are you doing here? And she's like, well, I want to see your collection. So they end up in the armory room from the 89. Oh, the
0: same one. Yeah.
1: So I got that thing from Japan, blah blah blah. Yeah. Uh, and then there's a missing page in the script. <laughs> so if anybody has page eighty-seven of the Batman Two script, I'd, I'd greatly appreciate. That's it. <laughs> interesting. I
0: wonder why that's cut. cut I
1: out. don't know. There's two pages from the script that I didn't get to read. And that's so one he, of
0: he must have liked that scene and how it was shot because he he added it again.
1: Well, yeah. Also, Wayne Manor pr- presumably would have been the same Wayne Manor set, right? As well. Right. I remember everything was already. They, they had no idea. But it would have been cool to see that again, you know. And so, I think what happens. I'm reading between the lines is that Selena asks Bruce, like, Do you have any like Raven statues? Bruce is like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. And Selena feels Selena then leaves, being like, Bruce Wayne doesn't know anything. And meanwhile, I think because of her asking about it, Bruce goes to Alfred and he's like, I think Selena Kyle's the catwoman. Okay. So they look into her background, he's like, Yeah, every major art theft in the last five years, she's been close to it and she's been covering as a museum curator. Right. At uh, each time. So that's kind of a cool cover. I'm surprised they don't use that in the comics more often. Uh, but he's figured out now Catwoman and Selina are the same person. But he's like, why does she want a raven? And that, and that causes Alfred to be intrigued. And he's like, did you say raven? And Bruce is like, yeah, why? And he's like, well, your father had a raven statue. Mm-hmm. And Bruce is like, well, where is it? What happened to it? And he says, well, after your father was killed, it was collected by George Tiptree. George Tiptree being the father to the last surviving, the last, you know, other rich dude who's still alive. So Bruce visits Tiptree and tip tree is like didn't you ever wonder where it came from bruce all the privilege all the power all the money right where did your money come from bruce right so it's like okay what's going on what the hell is going on and so he's like the ravens are a map the key to incredibly vast fortune and bruce asks, whose fortune and tip tree says gotham cities okay so we have a flashback to 1880 where the gotham city treasury was, was looted
0: so we see in 1880 fucking gotham yes all right. gotham okay.
1: city is looted. The the treasury is looted by five men and maybe like a week or so later while the city is suffering from some sort of depression, five rich men loot them out. And that became the five families, including general Oliver Wayne, who is the one whose statue is where Dick Grayson was hiding out. Tip tree reveals, of course, the five families started out as the five robbers who looted the treasury. Okay. That's how they became rich, which means that Bruce Wayne's money comes from a crime.
0: Okay, gotcha.
1: So, so in order—that's
0: cool. So, is yeah, that is that part the origin of the Wayne money? Is that just this incarnation? It's just this version. It's just okay. Ham's
1: version of it, to because of this whole class warfare theme of the rich being corrupt and everything like that.
0: Is that different from version to version? of the, the where the Wayne money comes from—it's
1: different from the comics. I don't think the comics. I think in the comics, it's made legitimately. Okay, I don't think, yeah. yeah. Um, so they still had leftover treasure where they were getting their money from. So they each decided to hide it out in city hall. And in order to disclose where it is, you have to, each one of them had to install a Raven statue into certain like holes in the city hall in order to reveal the location. So each family was given the Raven. Okay. So that's where this comes from. Penguins going after that treasure. Okay. Uh, And Tiptree says, we've all been feeding on the soul of Gotham this whole time. And Bruce is like, this doesn't make any sense because my dad was an honorable man. He wouldn't want anything to do with it. If he knew money came from a crime, even if it came from years ago, he wouldn't want anything to do with it. And Tiptree says he was a decent man. He was an honorable man. That's why our parents had them killed. Okay. And we flash back to Jack Napier shooting the Waynes and it revealed that Napier was working for the four other families.
0: This is so fleshed out. (laughs) Yeah. It's the most fleshed out I've ever heard this whole thing. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. It is way more of a, the the plot makes way more sense. It's a way more realistic than everything Batman returns. But it's also, as you can see, it's an ongoing mystery and Batman's a detective figuring all this shit out. Right. It's it's predates what presumably would be the, the Reeves version of of Batman as like the detective story of Batman. Even the Raven statue feels like a callback to the Maltese Falcon in a way. So, uh, you know, tip tree says they killed him to protect their secret. And now the bills come, come due. So basically, Tip Tree says, for whatever reason, Batman is out to kill all of us for and wants that treasure. And Bruce is like, well, I know it's not Batman because I'm Batman. So he, he doesn't tell him that. But he, he goes back to the, the Wayne <laughs> yeah. Manor. And there's this sort of interesting scene where he's we finally get some time away from the. um From the plot a little bit where he's just in his bedroom staring at the ceiling and quote, the weight of his heritage is crushing him down. OK, sort of feeling like the only way he got his money was through crime. And that's everything he hates and everything like that. That would
0: be such a cool turn, actually. You know? I would. I think it's a really good addition to the mythos. It's so I don't cool know if it is. needs to be in every uh, incarnation, it's, but it's pretty yeah, cool.
1: Yeah, so Vicky wants to be there for him, but Alfred says, you know, I realized long ago there are places in Mr. Wayne's heart which no one will ever be able to penetrate, even you. And okay. he loves you, but in certain ways, he will always be alone. So right, it's right. very... There's already more character exploration in Bruce Wayne than in any than in any of Batman Returns. <laughs> Right. right here. So Tiptree, the other rich guy, plans to give up his raven to quote-unquote Batman and in order to protect himself and protect the rest of his family. So he sneaks out of police protection. And luckily, Bruce Wayne, in his previous visit, gave Tiptree a present. Okay. It wasn't really a present. It was a tracking device. So he has Alfred driving around uh, so that he can track Tiptree to where the real culprits are. And Penguin is asking Tiptree to meet him in a subway tunnel. Which is where Dick Grayson happens to be hanging out with a bunch of homeless people and is seeing something suspicious going on. So, so Dick Grayson sort of follows, Tip Tree through, and Tip Tree finds Penguin. And Tip like, "You're not Batman." And Penguin clips, "No, I'm his brother-in-law, Birdman." <laughs> and <laughs> whoa, and eh, Birdman, I know, kind of Aiden. foreshadowing, yeah. Whoa, uh, and Tip Tree pulls out a gun and tries to shoot Penguin. And Penguin's umbrella, however, is bulletproof, and it's also a gun. And and Penguin shoots him to death with the umbrella. Yeah, and he's like, "Ha." Uh and and but tip tree before he died tells him, like, I have two ravens because Bruce Wayne, you have to leave Bruce Wayne alone. He has nothing to do with this. And Penguin tells Catwoman, ha, we have the last two ravens, which means you know it's time. Okay. And right when he tells that to Catwoman, Dick Grayson steals the suitcase.
0: Oh my God. And then How the was ne- he even there.
1: Well, I just told you because he he, he, oh. he saw he saw he something was suspicious yes. about Tiptree. Yes, right, right, right. Yes. <laughs> and then the next page is missing from the copy, so I don't know what, what happens. Okay. But afterwards, thankfully, thankfully not a lot, because the next page I was able to read, presumably Batman comes to Dick's rescue and is fighting Catwoman in the subway while trains are coming and everything we have this cool underground sequence it would be really harrowing to see. Cause he's trying to dodge the trains and everything. Catwoman at one point makes Batman turn on his Cape glider. And Batman's like, Oh shit, not here, not here, not here. As the wind like picks him up and, and makes him. That fly would away. be
0: incredible. But think about this being shot in 91 yeah. with no CG <laughs>
1: whatsoever. Very expensive,
0: very expensive, real trains. Maybe, well, maybe they might use, um, what you call it. Miniatures um, miniatures, and, you know, superimpose it or whatever. But yeah, mm-hmm.
1: So Dick has the Ravens and he's running off of them until he gets shot in the shoulder In the shoulder. But uh, penguin shoots him and takes the, st- takes the suitcase with the statues and he and Catwoman make off the statues. Batman who's been battered because he got, you know, Catwoman turned on his glider and he got hit by the trains and stuff. He makes his way to the wounded Dick Grayson and takes him, um, obviously to Wayne Manor. Um, Penguin goes to City Hall, and he's like, all right, let's do this. And so he installs all the ravens, and the building starts moving, and the gears start showing, and it it ends up opening up, and he finds a box. And Penguin and Catwoman open the box, and inside is a piece of paper. And he's like, well, the treasurer ain't here. And instead, it's another map. And it's a map that points to the treasure. And Penguin says, oh, look at this. Tip Tree said Bruce Wayne didn't know anything about this. It's right under Wayne Manor. The treasure's been there all along. And he takes a closer look of his monocle, and he's like... Looks like it's in some kind of cave.
0: <laughs> oh, shit.
1: So we cut to Wayne Manor and Dick Grayson wakes up and Vicky Vale's there. And she's like, hey, you know, you've been wounded and everything. And Dick Grayson's like, I don't want anything to do with you, lady, and everything. Like, I want to just go back to where I was. You can't make me stay. And then Bruce Wayne shows up in the doorway and he says, I can make you. Okay. And Dick Grayson realizes he's in Batman's house and he backs down. Um, Alfred questions Bruce in terms of like, what are you going to do with this kid? Cause you know, we got to find his parents and shit. Bruce says he hasn't got any parents. And now it's okay. like, how do you know that, sir? And Bruce says, I know. So, okay. <laughs> the, it's never outwardly said that his parents were killed or anything like that, but it's, it, there's enough implied that there's a connection there. Right. Like he knows that he's an orphan kid and that's why he was in the streets and everything. Right. Um, but this is still like a rebellious, you know, 13, 14 year old kid and things like that. So, dick at one point tries to escape from the house and in the meantime bruce gets a call from selena and selena is like hey like i want you over we should go on a date type of thing and bruce is like oh sure but in the meantime packs the utility belt and he's like all right she's gonna be ready for batman she's not gonna be ready for bruce wayne i'm gonna try to end this
0: Hey, everybody, it's Andrew. I just wanted to tell you about our friend Israel's retro gaming shop, RetroCo. If you go to retro-ko.com, you'll be able to see all of his retro gaming goodies. If you wanted to get that Sega Saturn hidden gem from back in the day, or if you wanted to get the Famicom disk system that you never got as a kid, or any other type of retro game that you were into or uh, import game, please go to RetroCo.com. That's Retro-KO.com. And if you use the super house code, Johnson's Ballsack, you'll be able to get a little bit of a discount at checkout so please once again if you could just go to retroco.com you can also go to facebook.com slash retroco with no hyphen that's r-e-t-r-o-k-o you'll be able to find him on Facebook as well if you were looking for that PlayStation import game that you never got if you were looking for that mega drive game that you never got or any other kind of retro game any import game it could even be European Israel also curates bundles at RetroCo, and he'll curate that bundle just for you. So please, go check him out. If you put in the code Johnson's ballsack at checkout, you'll receive a superhouse discount.
1: So it goes to the quote-unquote date, where Selena sort of pounces and kisses him. And her lipstick, foreshadowing poison ivy, has some sort of paralytic drug. And Bruce goes unconscious before he can use anything in the utility belt. Okay. We cut back to Wayne Manor. Vicky and Alfred are worried, and they see Bruce's car return. And Vicky's like, "Oh, thank God!" The door opens, and Bruce's body, his unconscious body, goes right to the floor. As Penguin walks in and yells, "Merry Christmas!" and he, Catwoman, and their thugs invade Wayne Manor.
0: That would be a fucking yeah.
1: crackerjack
0: third act. Yeah. the third act, right? This is the third act. And yeah. It's
1: all in Wayne Manor. So they invade Wayne Manor. They take Vicky and Alfred hostage.
0: There's something about attacking that spot. You feel is safe.
1: It's vo- Yeah, very. You know,
0: very good. This is where, he's vulnerable. This yes, is where he's
1: vulnerable. vulnerable. Yes. Yes. Uh, and the only one who's outside seeing all this happen, because remember Bruce is unconscious through this, and the other yeah. our other heroes are uh, hostage, is Dick Grayson. is a little outside, and he's like, "Oh shit, this is happening." <laughs> uh, Penguins interrogating everyone. He's like, "How do you get to the cave?" Okay. And, and Vicky and Alfred don't know why he's asking that. Like, does he know that Bruce is Batman? That type of stuff. Um, in the meantime, Dick figures out a way to ransack, the, you know, fi- they, he figures out how to get in as they ransack the house, penguin and Catwoman are trying to like, how do you get to a cave? Is there right. some secret entrance? That type of shit. Dick rescues Bruce and Bruce is like, get me to the library. And okay. they go into the Batcave. cave uh, and to distract them from the Batcave, cave. Alfred tries to distract some of the goons, but the goons shoot him. But they, they wound him. They wound Alfred because okay. you can't have Alfred get killed. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, that'd be rough. Yeah. So Bruce gets. Uh, To the Batcave, but Penguin finds the room where Bruce was in and finds that Bruce Wayne is missing. He's like, where the hell is Wayne? So you've got the sort of fun, tense, like trace around Wayne Manor type of shit. Bruce is in the Batcave and he's like, all right, now you're in my home. And he sets off the security measures, which mean that all the windows suddenly start. All these like metal barriers start closing over the windows and stuff. And he's trapped. Okay. Penguin and Catwoman in his own place. The whole like you thought that I was locked up in here with you. You're locked up in here with me type (laughs) of thing. Yeah. So Penguin's like, what the hell is going on type of thing? Who's doing this? Dick goes out to fight Penguin's thugs. He gives a gun to Alfred. Vicky escapes, tries to phone the cops, but ends up getting confronted by Selena. And that's where we get the obligatory 1990s cat fight uh, between Vicky okay. Vale and Selena Kyle. In the Vicky
0: Vale can't fucking fight, though, can she? Vicky
1: gets her ass kicked. Yeah. <laughs> but Batman yeah. shows up to save Vicky, and Batman winds up. In the armory room with Catwoman, and that's where shit goes down. Where they pick up different weapons from the armory room see, against that's each fucking other. Fucking badass, dude! It's that's amazing. fucking awesome. This is like, ba- why so don't Bat- we see that?
0: Batman swings a sword in um, one of the Arkham games, right? There's a there's a swashbuckling Batman in one of those, and I always thought that was really Probably great. Probably against imagery. Roz, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah yeah. 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 So
1: like he at one, I think he ends up like, he's like swinging a mace or something, and he ends up getting her. Or that one, it's, it's it's really like holy shit! I didn't realize that. Like, it makes so much sense to plant yeah. the armory there in 89 and then have an action sequence in there. Or you just didn't really think about it until you see it. That's a, this is great. So yeah, Penguin. Great. Yeah. Uh, Penguin fig- you know, follows Vicky into the Batcave and he's like, Ah, here's the cave. And he as he looks in, he's like, holy shit, Bruce Wayne is Batman. <laughs> <laughs> so Catwoman and Batman get into a fight. Catwoman le- leaps on a chandelier to swing and attack him. But Batman cuts the line with one of his gadgets and she falls from the chandelier onto the ground and glass cuts her all over the place and she's injured on the ground and Batman gets closer to her and Dick Grayson's there too and he's watching what's happening and Catwoman's like do it, kill me. right? And uh, Batman refuses and she tries to even slit her own throat with the talons but Batman knocks her out instead. And Dick Grayson's like you should have done it man, you should have killed her and Batman just glares at him. (laughs) So like even though Batman might have killed in the previous version uh, Ham's Batman in this one refuses to. Okay. Uh, at least until we get to what happens next. So, Penguin has <laughs> Vicky hostage, and they're walking on the catwalk of the Batcave because he's like the treasure is somewhere down there. Okay. Uh, and Batman tries to confront him, but he can't move because Penguin's got Vicky hostage, and he sees they see it, and they they see the treasure basically in this grotto down below. And uh Batman throws a sonic device that causes all these bats to come out because he's in you know Penguin's in his home now. And the bats swarm around Penguin, and Penguin looks in shock because, quote-unquote, he's been beaten at his own game. He's been using pigeons the whole movie against people, and now bats are swarming around him. Right, right, right. And basically, Penguin falls into the abyss as the bats take him down. Okay. So that's the end of Penguin. It's kind of the only time where Batman kind of kills in this um, the cops show up and Bruce says that, you know, oh, Batman saved us and Catwoman was, was behind the murders and Gordon's like, oh, he's relieved that Batman's name is cleared. This is the only draft of this movie where Batman's name is actually cleared at the end. Okay. Like the movie is just kind of like, yeah, the bad signals back up at the end, I guess. Right. they Kind of figured out that Batman was behind it. Oh, right.
0: Yeah, that's kind of a never uh, explained. loose plot hole in, yeah. the, in Batman
1: Returns, huh? Um, and Vicki asks Bruce, what are you going to do with the treasure? Now that you know that that's there and Bruce says, well, it might be a good start on a place to live for some people who don't have one. So it's implied that he's going to rescue all the homeless people who got uh, taken out of the Gotham park with that money to build them something. Um, and we sort of wrap up with Bruce telling Vicki, okay, it's Christmas open your present. And she's like, what is it? And it's revealed to be a diamond ring.
0: Oh shit. He's, he's going to get married.
1: To and we sort of end on Bruce having come full circle and made a family for himself with Vicki, Dick and Alfred. That would be cool. Fade to black. And that would have been how Ham ended it. So as I said, yeah, a happy ending, probably, as I said, probably the best use of Robin in any of the Burton related scripts, right? Because he actually plays a role, right? Um, Way better plot than any of the other drafts that we've been going over. Um, However, the downside is I feel like the villains are less interesting in this. Penguin and Catwoman seem one dimensional, very one dimensional compared to the way that they're written in the movie. And we don't really get a sense of what their motivations are other than just getting money Um, or how they even found out about this five families treasure stuff. It would have made more sense if it was like both of them, like grew up on the streets and then heard the legend of it and things like that and always had that resentment. But it's never explored. Maybe it would have been in a future draft that I didn't read. Um, There's like an origin of Penguin in the 80s where he, his family owned a pet shop and his mother died and everything. And basically the government took it and all that. And he, he was left with nothing and that's why he turned to crime type of thing. So if they adapted that, that would make more sense, but like, it's not in there, but you can kind of see elements of Batman returns in there, but also a lot of Batman is the detective that we never really got to see and stuff that carries over from 89 that you realize would have been really fucking cool to see in the sequel. Okay. But that was the Batman 2 script by Ham.
0: This is the very first one. This
1: is the very first one that we're going over.
0: One thing that, you know, you I notice, well, I guess kind of obvious, but just to put it out there on the podcast.
1: Yeah.
0: First one took like 10 years to make. Finally it comes out in 89. Yeah. This movie came out, what, 92? Yeah. This was fast track. <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Because I guess, you know, eighty 89 was a fucking phenomenon.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah, they, they were want like, another we got Yeah.
0: Yeah. Let's get this shit going right now. Yeah. So I guess maybe some stuff was just rushed, you know,
1: it might have been. But doesn't, the thing is, the writing of it doesn't feel that rushed. like it, it feels close to like you can feel like it's a movie, you know, right, right, like right, true. The, the plot of it is the kinks are all there. If there was going to be a rewrite, I probably would have fleshed out Penguin Catwoman and Dick Grayson more and, right. and probably a little bit more of, uh, of Bruce. But isn't that you know?
0: weird, like that, like Sam Hamm seems to have an interest actually in Batman.
1: Yeah. Like him is the unsung hero of these movies and sort of one of the underrated screenwriters of this, because each draft that I've read of his could have been a great Batman movie uh, and was better than what we ended up with, you know, in, in both cases. So it's a shame that they never really stayed true to that. And, you know, if they ever, you know, he's still alive and everything, you know, he's still working. So like, I would love to see him take another crack at, uh, you know, a Batman movie in the future but uh it, it's it feels like he had this is the one that stays the truest to the batman character somewhat true to penguin and dick grayson not that true to catwoman but like the elements are still at least there they're just made more interesting in the later draft right all right so uh obviously keaton would have been back as batman Basinker is vicky more or less who knows what would have happened between her and peters uh, Michael Goff is Alfred, Pat Hingle is Gordon. I'm going to, kind of like what I did with the Mankiewicz and Ham scripts, I'm going to do a fan cast of this, except I'm going to skip a majority of the characters. They already would have been cast. Uh, for the Penguin, I kind of said this before, but uh, I see Tim Curry in a, in a big fat suit playing this <laughs> version of Penguin. He, you know, Curry was a very popular villain actor at the time, and, he, you know, it's it's very easy to hear him read these lines where he's very much the prim and proper, yet still deadly type of Penguin kind of a sarcastic personality to him. Again, not as interesting as the penguin in the final movie, but still a good characterization. Right. Uh, for Robin, this was a little tough because there's not there weren't really a lot of teen actors who would be of age of it. But I imagine this is more of who would have been cast at the time. But I'm pretty sure the kid from Terminator Two would have been cast at the time at this because he would have been right around that age.
0: Edward Furlong. Edward
1: Furlong, because he was like I don't know, got to like twelve maybe in '91 for Terminator, and I'm sure Warner Brothers would have been like, "That's Robin and shit," and then would have had him.
0: It's possible come back for
1: this. Uh, Catwoman. She's a half Asian Catwoman. So I put Tia Carrera for this one. Okay. I can see her play the sort of 90s, very sexualized version of Catwoman. Not as good as Pfeiffer, but, you know, if they went with the script, she would have done this justice to the version that Ham wrote. Right. So those who I would have done, this is the only fan cast I'll do because the next script is basically the prototype blueprint for the returns that we saw. Okay. So Ham finished the script. Burton read it and Burton hated it. Unfortunately,
0: why? Why would did he say why he hated it?
1: I think it's because there. First off, Burton is for those who you know big surprise, but Burton's not that big on plot, and this is a very plot heavy. (laughs) Yeah, movie. The whole so
0: strange to me because I like I like plot.
1: Me too. I'm a plot guy. It's it's the mystery element, the detective element. It's all great. It's all there, but Burton wasn't down for it. This doesn't. It to be honest, it. You can see the Burton who directed 89, who's being very much controlled by Warner Brothers and John Peters and Peter Goober right. directing this, but not the Tim Burton who's post-89 Batman who is given more free reign, uh, who did Edward Scissorhands and shit like that. I can't yeah. really see that one being down for this At one. At this
0: point, he hasn't made a bad movie.
1: Right. So he, he's like, I, I can justify this. So unfortunately, Ham got fired from this, uh, which is unfortunate because I, I after reading his scripts, I, I think he, the movies would be even better if they followed his writing more.
0: Well, the other thing here is I think you can say that Burton really likes the villain. He and, does like and, the villain. And yeah. this is more of a Batman movie. <laughs> the the one that Sam Hamm wrote.
1: That as well as the fact that there were a lot of ties into the 89 movie with the Flugelheim Museum, the Armory Room, Vicki Vale being back. He wants to
0: distance himself. He more. wanted to
1: distance himself from it to the point where I think he even told the the next screenwriter Daniel Waters, who ended up writing the final movie, uh, he's like, "Why don't we just call it Batman again?" <laughs> like he he, okay. he almost didn't want it to be a sequel. He okay, didn't like references to it, which is probably also why the mayor's different. Uh, Vicky Vale didn't come back. Harvey Dent didn't come back. Alexander Knox didn't come back. Okay, like, so many different elements changed, right. and right. he didn't even have it shot in in London when there was when it would have been cheaper to go there because there were, already was a set. Right. You know. Right. It's a shame too because the end on first Gotham City feels like Gotham City. This one, even though they were both shot on backlots, the Batman Returns one, even though I still like it, it, does feel a little bit more like a Hollywood set with a painted yeah. backdrop. The first
0: one really did feel like a big sprawling exactly. city. Yeah,
1: so it, it is a shame that Burton was so turned off by it. Uh, maybe in an alternate universe they ended up firing Burton, or Burton decided not to do it, and they just hired someone else to just do the Ham same right. Ham draft, but right? Whatever the case was, Burton was looking for another take on it. And that's where Daniel Waters comes in. Daniel Waters was the screenwriter of Heathers. uh, That would know the writer Christian Slater high school movie uh, that kind of have a dark slant to it. And he was originally interested in making a Beetlejuice sequel.
0: Interesting.
1: Uh, They were interested in the Beetlejuice sequel together until the idea of Batman came up and that they wanted to sort of, take elements from the Sam Ham draft but do a very different more Burton-y take on it. Okay. Still still called Batman 2. But what we're going to dive in now is the Daniel Waters draft. Okay. Uh much like the Sam Ham draft from the 89 movie there's there's a lot that made it into the final film and there's a lot that didn't make it into the final film. Uh but uh heads up in terms of my opinions on this I tried to reread this draft recently I really did and I just couldn't fucking get through it. Well, I was just boring? I hate this draft dude. Like it's it's a shorter read through because Daniel Waters is not the same screenwriter as Sam Hamm. He is in love with. It feels like. And I mean, no offense to Waters, if you're ever listening to this, but we would still love to have you on the podcast. But at least Please, the 1990s mom. version of you, <laughs> Mr. Waters, he's like in love with his own dialogue. There are monologues upon monologues upon monologues of just very oh, cheesy dialogue. This is like dialogue. a
0: Kevin Smith film in
1: a way. It maybe is, he
0: saw yeah. Clerks. Now maybe, Clerks is like '94 or something. Actually,
1: <laughs> maybe Smith was inspired by that. I don't know, but it maybe. Is, there's so much very self-aware satire dialogue bullshit of like, look how clever I am. That like I can't get It's like a Max
0: Landis type. Uh, yeah, I, I
1: guess, but I, I guess so. Well, let's let's get like, let's or... get
0: just the 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 major points. Let's here, get. Obviously. I have. A, let me go yeah. through
1: all the list, but like this is th- yeah. that was my opinion on it. But okay. it is. We open with the birth of Penguin. However, we don't identify them as the Cobblepots. Okay. I think maybe Daniel Waters thought that Oswald Cobblepot was just too unrealistic of a name to go with.
0: I hate it when they want to change shit like that.
1: You know, because Oswald Cobblepot is too unrealistic of a name. But somebody, you know, getting revived by cats is completely realistic. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah.
0: <laughs> come on, man. Uh,
1: so basically, it's just seen as a rich family, birth of Penguin and everything. The only main difference is that I guess to show that there's a little bit more of a family unit, uh, the family already has uh, an older kid who, like, looks at the sort of the the baby crate. And, you know, the mom's like, honey, don't stare at your brother type of thing as you're looking through the bars of the crate and everything like that. And uh, then they go out and they dump the, dump dump the kid down the sewer and all that shit. Uh, Then we would have cut to the Batman merchandise store. (laughs) Okay. So that would, that's basically stayed through all the different drafts and was even built for the movie. You can even see it. The pictures on once again, 1989 Batman.com of the Batman merchandises and everything like that. Uh, later on, it would have been replaced by Penguin merchandise as Penguin became a celebrity, sort of yeah. showing the whole like comes and goes type of celebrity type of thing. Uh, we meet Penguin early in the sewer. In the movie, it's, it's a reveal that Penguin, you know, when Penguin ma- meets Max Shrek, he is introducing the sewer and for about a page, he monologues. <laughs> <laughs> this is di- this is god- the tone is so jokey, like it's, it's just, again, God for Wesley Strick was the guy who ended up doing the final draft uh, and cut a lot of the dialogue stuff, but, anyways, there's a lot of expositional, expositional dialogue, and there's a lot of self-aware bits in this. So like, there's satirical humor where the mayor sees the red triangle circus attack, and he's like, "Oh man, I'm gonna get blamed for this." And then later on, Batman saves everybody, and the mayor's like, "I'm gonna get credit for this." So like, it's very like jokey type of, but also kind of bat- biting satire type of thing, somewhat cheesy. Um, originally Alfred, as we saw in the movie, Alfred's in Times Square in the Gotham Plaza, right? In uh, the original script, what was going to happen was that Alfred was going to try to save a little girl who was being attacked by the Red Triangle Circus gang, and Batman would have seen the you know sort of clowns going after them and use the Batmobile to take those clowns out. And Alfred would kind of just like wave like a thanks over. But like I'm like oh that makes more sense why Alfred was even there in the right. first place. I don't know why that was cut. Uh, what's also cool is that while Batman is saving the day, another group of circus members and Penguin go to where the Batmobile is parked. Okay. And they start scouting it out and take pictures of it, which explains why they have the plans for the Batmobile in the movie. Okay. Remember that he's just like he just randomly has the blueprints? Yeah. That is yeah. never explained at all in the movie. You're
0: right. That's that's totally fucking <laughs> Oh my god.
1: So, even though I can't really get through the script, there's a lot of plot elements that did not make it in that actually makes more sense um there's a little bit more interaction with gordon gordon once again gordon got fucked like pat hingle got fucked in all of these movies All <laughs> of his, all of the gordon scenes that have any substance in them are gone but like gordon in the movie he's just like thanks for saving the day batman the red triangle circus is back and batman's like we'll see that's it right in the original script it was a longer exchange where gordon's like thanks for saving the day batman and uh, you know thanks for making us all look like idiots <laughs> like he, right. of self-awareness to it right. And then Batman's about to go save Max Shrek and everything. And Gordon's like, Do you need any? And Batman's like, No. Gordon's like, But you can't trust. And Batman says, Yes. <laughs> and so, like, <laughs> it's very terse, short exchange type of thing. I would have liked that. Right. Um, in the later script that where Wesley Strick uh, came in to do revisions, uh, Selena would have gone home, listened to our answering machine. And one of the messages that was not in the final film was from a rape prevention class saying like hey you haven't been to class lately we're trying to teach you how to defend yourself type of thing so it's sort of implied that selena has had some training in the past that she hasn't really tapped into okay and it's only when she becomes catwoman that that's how she learns how to fight which sort of explains why she suddenly has fighting moves right um so it's sort of been untapped uh let's see in the original like in the final film penguin captures max shrek in the sewer and i was like you think i would have gone through all this trouble just to kill you in the script, Penguin actually does go through all the trouble just to try to kill Max. <laughs> 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 so I don't know if that was Wesley Strict just saying, fuck you, to Daniel Waters, but that sounds like something there. Yeah, it but, does. Uh, Max, um, to save his own hide, Max is like, well, what if I helped got you the respect of all of Gotham City by making you the mayor?
0: Okay. So this is
1: planted a lot earlier on. And so Max decides, hey, let's take, I'll take you back to my office. So he takes Penguin back to his office and he has his two consultants named Punch and Juliet, they became Josh and Jen in the movie, but they're the they're the ones where the guy gets his nose bitten off. Oh, yeah. They're originally named Punch and Juliet, and they're like, oh, like, we're the image consultants, and this is sort of just like a play on like celebrity culture, where they're just like, oh, we'll give you, like, cigarette holder, and, like, you know, we'll put gloves, because nobody wants to see, like, your fucking webbed hands. Right. And, and we're going to give you a family-friendly name, because we can't call you Penguin. What, what does our computer say? Computers say Oswald Cobblepot. So we're going to say your name is, because o- so Oswald Cobblepot is a made-up alias in the original draft. Um, Uh, I don't know, man. So Penguin is excited. Unnecessary. He Penguin is excited and he walks out because now he thinks he's going to get the love and respect of Gotham. He walks out one way at the same time as Selina is walking into the office. And Max sees Selina and he's like, did you just see who I was talking to? Because I can't have anybody know who I was talking to. And that's why Max shoves her out the window. Okay, which actually makes a lot more sense because in the movie it's kind of this weird thing where a somehow he has a power plant that'll suck power. I don't get yeah, how that that's works. That's a
0: whole other plot point. <laughs> they bring is, this up; it doesn't go fucking
1: anywhere. Right? It would have in the original draft. But okay, a her saying that there's a power plant that'll suck power doesn't make any sense because I, I don't get how that works or why he would want that. In the original draft, it actually is just a regular power plant that would just make him rich. Okay. Uh and second, I don't get why she just was randomly telling him, "Yeah, I figured out your password and I know your secret." Yeah, 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 yeah. Why would she
0: come clean like that? Yeah,
1: so in the original version, it's just she's just there to pick up the Bruce Wayne file and Max assumes that she saw Penguin and he's like, "I can't have you knowing that." And she's like, "I didn't see anything. I didn't see anything." And she he shoves her out. Um around that time, Batman is actually patrolling. So there was a lot of Batman scenes that got cut. Okay. Surprise, surprise. Batman's talking to Alfred, um And Alfred's like, you know, are you worried about, you know, this penguin? I feel like this penguin is an invention by the tabloids. Batman's like, well, that's what they said about me. And as the Batmobile is going around, Selena gets shoved out the window and she lands and she sees the Batmobile and she's like, stop, Batman. Like, she wants Batman's help, but the Batmobile drives away. And that becomes key later on when she tells that one woman, you're wasting your time waiting for Batman to save you. You have to save yourself type of thing. Okay. So that plants that motivation. (laughs) Would have made more sense too. Um, I told you this while we were watching it, but when Penguin Rescues the Baby and Bruce Wayne's watching, uh, Bruce is, uh, you know, Alfred's like, you don't seem, you know, Alfred sort of dryly says, you're not crying. And Bruce says, I'm not crying. He's not for real. And Alfred says, well, it's certainly the strangest publicity stunt I've ever seen. And Bruce is like, publicity for what? I don't know what. who scares me more, him or the society he so easily makes a fool out of. They deserve each other. So he kind of is, it's already planted. He's bitter about Gotham and feeling like he, you know, he's a thankless hero and things like that. There's a brief mention of Vicky Vale where Alfred says, like, Oh, here's the ornament that Vicky gave you last Christmas, and Bruce throws it into the fire. Oh my god. <laughs> so I guess that relationship didn't go as well. A very big contrast to Sam Ham having <laughs> ending his draft with Bruce that's all the, That's the only mention of uh, Same, was... other than the whole like, you know, Vicky who let Vicky Vale into the Batcave right, joke right, in right, there, right, which right. is very forced. But yeah, it, it's it, it, there's at least a little bit more exploration of Bruce's character, even if I don't really care for the idea of it. Uh, so Bruce goes to Max Shrek the next day for the meeting, and there's an extra scene where Max is like looking out the window wondering what happened to Selena's body. because He's like, no cops came by. Did a reindeer just fucking pick her up? Right. Bruce comes by and he's like, what happened to your window? And Max is like, uh, you know, fucking kids, they threw rocks at it. And Bruce is like, no, they didn't. And Max is like, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, the glass is on the inside. Okay. There's no glass on the inside. Right. So the glass went out. OK, Shrek's like, oh, well, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> so like, right. This is where I was talking about where Bruce's Batman persona bleeds into his everyday life. OK, so he's acting like Batman, even though he's there as Bruce Wayne. Um, There's another scene where Bruce runs into Gordon, where Penguin has blown somebody up. Um, There's a sort of recurring theme where thing where like Penguin sets up a bomb rigged at a crosswalk and that however many times somebody presses the button, if it reaches a certain point, uh, the crosswalk blows up so. Uh, that plays in a little later, but uh, somebody's gotten blown up. Gordon's investigating Bruce shows up, and Bruce tells Gordon like this wasn't set up to kill someone specific. It was set up for a time. And Gordon's like, when did you become such a detective? <laughs> so, again, it's like Batman's bleeding into Bruce Wayne sort of thing. Okay. around the same time he tells Selina Kyle, I mistook me for someone else. So there's right. kind of an identity crisis type of thing that, that Waters is playing around with. Uh, Chip Shrek wants to see what's going on with Selina and why she's alive. So Chip Shrek goes to Selina's apartment for some reason, there's randomly a pit of quicksand in this apartment. Don't ask me how this works. Fucking
0: quicksand? <laughs> yeah.
1: And Chip Shrek winds up in the quicksand and Selena lets him die in it.
0: See, this should have been cut.
1: <laughs> Thank God it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Penguin is already out to spread mayhem and stuff and become the mayor. So at one point, he has. Uh, sort of Red Triangle Circus gang, all dressed up as Batman. Right. And then the real Batman shows up and fights the imposter Batman and confronts Penguin. And this is what I mean by the dialogue. Batman, this is what they, he wanted Keats Batman to say. Batman says, quote, you're just another depressing, greedy egomaniac. I don't hate you for being a freak. I hate you for being normal. You're an insult to penguins that's ridiculous that's the real line that's in this now you know why i can't get through this draft yeah, it's just, yeah, the yeah. dialogue is just fucking,
0: that's ridiculous uh he's that's, like, a, that's a fundamental misunderstanding
1: <laughs> and so batman's like you know do you have any last words and penguin says yes i do laser bunny and he says that and the signal goes off and it causes pigeons to attack the police cars which is right out of sam ham's draft by the way um so that penguin can make his, his escape Okay. Uh, a python lady the snake lady I don't think there's a snake lady in the the movie, but there's a snake lady in this version. She wraps a snake around Batman, causing him to trip, and that's how the dog gets the batarang. Okay. Which makes it a little bit more sense than dog being able to snatch a batarang. That
0: dog, that little poodle in Batman (laughs) Returns, jumps up like fucking (laughs) six feet. Okay, the height of the woman's head, so that would probably be what, average five, six. Actually, she was kind of a tall woman,
1: looked like, let's say five, eight, five. It's it's still a big jump, yeah.
0: It's a humongous jump for this little-ass dog. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry.
1: So Batman and Gordon investigate the pigeons attacking the police car, and that's when Catwoman attacks the, the Shrek department store, and Batman gets into the fight with Catwoman, and once again, she kicks his ass and has him dangling over the edge. More speeches of Batman, where Batman says, quote, people who hurt, hurt each other, they lie to each other, they're more interested in what I drive than what I stand for. I need their intelligence, they give me their lunchboxes. This is okay. as Batman's hanging from the. I'm like, I don't get why Daniel Waters thought Keaton would say that. This They're is why. Lunch boxes. Keaton, I think he's criticizing people for turning him into a lunchbox hero or something. I don't know. But, but. the thing is,
0: that's a little bit too meta, too, because the thing is, like, you can say negative things about capitalism, but at the end of the day, Batman fans in the real world really love Batman shit. Right. So we're kind of like all about the materialistic goods. You know what I mean? <laughs> so. I think in a way it's a that, that line is a little bit going against its own fans.
1: Yeah, and I think I don't know, there's an undercurrent of feeling like maybe Daniel Waters just didn't give a shit about Batman yeah, fans and shit, right. where I don't think he really cared about staying true to comic stuff, even though he did stay true at least to the themes of it from from you know what we saw.
0: Why they just at this time they could not talk to a single comic book fan, it seemed like. Like they would just not
1: Ham was the closest that he got and they fired do, him.
0: Do you know about Kevin Smith's
1: story about all this? About uh, Superman. Yeah, he said. Oh, that yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: They, they. He said, "Why are you asking me when you can go ask? Like, there's people that actually write comic books all day long." Mm-hmm. And then he said, "Oh, those are comic book guys." I forget right, who yeah. said that to him, but he was like, "You're a movie guy." I think the comic books Smith. are
1: better. A lot of the comic books are better written than these movies.
0: Yeah, and that's the, the thing, majority right? Of the time, yeah, that's so. the thing, and these guys don't get that. Anyway, that's sort of a tangent. Keep yeah, going but so you can that. see,
1: Dan, like Daniel Waters did say, Michael Keaton asked him to cut a shit ton of lines, so. Thank you, Michael Keaton, for doing that. Because Michael I, Keaton,
0: you are a voice of reason in all of this. I think
1: Keaton, beginning was basically like Batman wouldn't say that. Batman would say this, right, wouldn't right. say that. So like that's that's a. That's at least I, you had a fucking
0: main actor understanding what the fuck Batman's all about. <laughs> yeah, because these writers did not. It seems like at least right. in some way, at least in some regard,
1: um, we actually do see a scene of Max uh, asking Penguin why the fuck he blew up his store. We never really saw a reaction from Max Shrek about his story getting blown up. So he thinks that it's Penguin before he founds figures out that it's, that it's Catwoman. So okay. that was kind of cool. Um, there's a little moment where Bruce runs to Selina outside. But before that, Bruce sees like a family. And it sort of reminds him of his parents and shit. Okay. Kind of nice. Kind of has nothing to do with the story, but it's kind of a nice touch. Um, as Bruce and Selina are walking away from the plaza and, you know, talking about their date, where she's going to go to Wayne Manor, a bunch of muggers try to attack them. This is what's interesting. Okay. That both Bruce and Selena out of costume fight them off. And Bruce is kind of and and at the end of that, Waters copies Ham's idea of Bruce and Selena nearly kissing, only for Bruce to sneeze because a random cat is nearby.
0: What? <laughs> this
1: whole cat allergy shit's I don't and like it. Thankfully it didn't make it to the end. Um, but Bruce later on asked her, he's like, How'd you how were you able to do that? And she says, quote, I won some karate lessons radio thing. I've been calling for Grateful Dead tickets. Anyway, I took the course. I was a most serious failure. The instructor kept chanting, your mind isn't clear, your mind isn't. It is now. So.
0: Okay, that's
1: no, no. <laughs> but it kind of, I get the idea of it where like she's had previous training. She just never really was able to tap into use it or tap into that aggressive side until she became Catwoman. That's the idea of it. It's just not really written very well. Right. Um, Bruce uses detective work to find out that Max is bankrolling Penguin through like looking at their checks or something. Um, Waters does this other stupid ass thing where the red triangle circus gang are talking about Batman and one clown says that he thinks Batman's family was killed in a meaningless act of violence. And he does the bat vigilante thing out of revenge. And the sword swallower tells him, nobody wants to hear your boring theories about Batman. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) See what I mean about being self-aware to the point of just being, just turning you off. Yeah, Uh, Batman gets framed for killing the ice princess. At one point, Batman tells Penguin, quote, drop the umbrella. Your feelings of impotence have gone too far. Yeah. Anyway, similar scene, Batman lands in a crowd uh, with a glider and he lands once again to an angry mob who want to unmask him and a gas comes out of the Batman breastplate that helps him escape. But I can't credit Waters for that because he basically lifted that from the ham draft.
0: But he's going over. That's his job at this point, though, right? Not to rewrite. Well, yeah, he, he just, revise just that revised the rise
1: and you stuff. But it, it was a complete it feels like a page one rewrite because okay. there's no raven statues, none of the rich guys oh, are in there. You right, know what I mean? Right, so right. it's like it, a story is technically written by him. It's, he's credited for it, but it's also not by him. And so like it's it's kind of well, both cool. share scre- credit, though. They both share they both share credit as just me preferring the ham draft to the point where whenever I see yeah. stuff that's from the ham draft in this, all it does is make me remember the superior script. So Penguin takes over the Batmobile, as in the movie. Okay. And uh, there's a bit of a different ending where in the middle of it, we cut to a mechanic workshop where we meet a scruffy teen <laughs> who will be referred to as the kid. It says, quote, is swiping is sweeping the grimy floor of a small, gloomy car repair garage. He wears a wildly tattered grease monkey uniform and a blurring Walkman, which prevents him from hearing the sounds of shouts and sirens. He's like, I don't know why I keep reading this stuff. And for whatever reason, he's reading a Batman comic book the Batmobile what? okay yeah because right. <laughs> I guess they make comic books out of Batman too. it's it, it's,
0: uh, it's, too, it's a little too much I think very self-aware right. yeah as I said. yeah
1: so the Batmobile arrives Batman's like I need your help and so the kid like does a, he this kid does a once over of the car and he finds he tells you know as he's trying to look over the Batmobile he tells Batman how much he admires him and he's like you know I'm trying to get individually any business myself I'm taking on like shoplifters and muggers." so he's kind of like referencing the ham draft again okay uh the kid as he's called He's never called Dick Grayson. He's just called at all. No, the kid finds the device that penguin was using to take control. And as he finds it, the circus gang shows up and Batman and the kid fight them off in the mechanics thing. And Batman's like, you better get into the car. So the kid gets behind the wheel of the Batmobile and with Batman next to him and they drive off. And during the chase, that's when Batman tells him to turn on the switch that creates the Batmobile to turn to the bat missile. Okay. And the kid helps Batman escape. And then he like, that's the
0: official name of it. That's what the, that's what, the, the Bat the Missile. Toys yeah, I, I think so. shit. yeah.
1: Yeah, I think it's called the Bat Missile. He gives Batman his card if he ever needs him. And then as the Bat- Batman takes off the Bat Missile, a bunch of kids' friends show up and ask him, oh, Do you see what happened, man? Batman was there. And the kid's right. like, I was part of it. I was in the you know what? Never mind. And then it yeah. does it. He quote unquote he brushes his chest, smooths off some grease that reveals an enigmatic R on his uniform. Okay. So uh there were some rumors on his
0: mechanics'
1: uniform. On his mechanic, yeah, because he's a yeah. car mechanic yeah, in this version. Yeah. yeah. Kind of a weird reimagining of it. There were rumors. I heard rumors. I don't know how much of this is just fan fiction of yeah. what would make more sense, but there was rumors that Robin was actually going to start out as a Red Triangle Circus gang member only to find out that Penguin killed his parents and this then is go not and get a Peng- bad. That's not bad. That's a better idea yeah. than this random mechanic bullshit. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Once again, Alfred says, Commissioner Gordon called to warn us that Batman will probably try to attack the elite of the city. Bruce says, what did you tell him? Alfred said, I told that, told him that since you are, in fact, Batman, that this does not pose a problem. So again, lifting the lines from him. Uh, that didn't make it into the final movie. <laughs> so okay. it's a great line, just not in the movie. Uh, Alfred criticizes Batman for letting the kid drive the Batmobile. And Bruce Wayne, that's when Bruce Wayne brings up the whole, like, well, who let Figgie Vale into the Batcave type of thing. Yeah. Uh, there's no okay. So here's where it's different. In the final movie, they go to the back cave, and Penguin has the whole speech, and DJ Bruce puts on the whole recording template. Yeah, yeah. There's no recording in this. The only recording that comes up is Bruce reveals I sent a Christmas gift to Max Shrek, and it's it's basically a bug. He's bugged Max Shrek's office. Okay, and he's basically sent the evidence that Max Shrek is connected to the Penguin and the Red Triangle Circus gang to the mayor to try to get Max in trouble. So the mayor bursts into Max's r- office, and he's like, you know you know, what are you doing? Why are you behind all this? And this is where you reveal Max's endgame. He says, he basically tells the mayor, you know, you rejected me. You rejected the PowerPoint. You betrayed me, admittedly slightly, but still, a lesson had to be learned. By plucking a disgusting monster from the sewers and giving him your crown, I hopefully taught you one. And the mayor is like, but if we gave you the damn factory, like, can you stop Penguin and the crime wave? And Max says, oh, of course, Mayor Cobblepot was a joke I never intended in telling the punchline to he was okay. using penguin the whole time he was just trying to use him against the mayor so they could finally get this power plant out
0: so this this makes more sense than what we got yeah, yeah where in yeah. as opposed
1: to him actually being an ally to penguin and shit so penguin is all excited about his campaign until he goes to max Shrek's place and finds the entire campaign headquarters have been cleared out okay and then max calls him and penguins like i don't guess what's going on and max says people came to see you because you were a good show but you were limited in engagement did you really think you'd become mayor, a freak, causing a recall election? Gosh, I feel bad now. I misled you. You know, Oswald, have you ever considered doing one of those delightful professional wrestling shows? And then he goes on to his own, like, you know, cheesy dialogue and shit. But yeah.
0: Self-aware dialogue. It's just, it's like, it's from a person, when it's that self-aware, its it seems like it's from a person that doesn't really like the source material. Yeah. At all.
1: And Also... I'm fine with it if it's every now and then. If it's, yeah. when it's every scene coming out of every character's mouth, then it's obnoxious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I do like the plot better in this of it being Max Shrek has been using Penguin the whole time. Right. And then betrays Penguin this way as opposed to, you know, Bruce Wayne doing the whole DJ thing with a recording type of thing that he was able to conveniently get, you know. Right. Um Bruce and Alfred have a heart-to-heart. This is where Bruce brings up the whole thankless hero thing. He says, all these years of battering two-bit hoods off their tricycles, and the real power the real evil calmly goes to work in Gotham Plaza and collects man-of-the-year plaques. And Alfred says, Bruce, this attitude of yours, it makes me... Is it only the memory of your parents that inspires you? It seems like it. You have as much contempt for the people of this city as Max and Penguin combined. And Bruce says, you don't understand, Alfred. I do care for the weak, pathetic, and gullible people of Gotham City because I'm one of them. Okay. So it's an interesting way for him to see himself, but... That kind of wraps up that arc. Uh, <laughs> All <laughs> Alfred, right, Alfred is actually at the at the Max Shrek mask Max Parade party. <laughs> uh, he's dressed up as a knight. Uh, Penguin, Alfred is. Yeah. Okay. Alfred attacks the ball and he just plans to blow up the city. Wesley Strick was the one who who did the whole firstborn sons thing. So, Penguin is already going to be like, my babies are going to blow up the city type of thing. Uh,
0: okay, so that firstborn sons thing is a last minute. Is addition. a last
1: minute. Yeah. Gotcha. Alfred helps Bruce figure out the only place in Gotham that could house so many penguins is the old Gotham Zoo. And Bruce is like, well, I got to make a phone call. So he calls the kid. Okay. And he brings up the kid stole the device that was on the Batmobile, but he needs the kid to use it to help him track down where all the penguins are. Okay. So it was, so it was Batman and Robin working together. Uh, Penguin not only kidnaps Max, but he kidnaps the mayor, Punch and Juliet, those two, you know, campaign people, all hostage, and he sends the penguins with the missiles out. Uh, And then, you know, he's got Max Shrek hostage in the cage and he laughs and they starts looking again as he sees Max through the bars of the cage. And he remembers his mom saying, Max, don't stare at your brother. And he realizes Max Shrek is his brother. This is amazing. That's (laughs) great. I like that. Yeah, that's cool. So that explains why Oswald Cobblepot is a made up name because Penguin's real name in this is Shrek. I will allow it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, w- I take back what I said. It's, earlier. A, it's a
1: twist. I wanted to hold off until I revealed it to you. But
0: so, okay.
1: It explains. Yeah.
0: All right. I got you. It,
1: I mean, it, it is one of those where I'm like, I get it, but I'm not sure if it, it's kind of cool, but also not nece- really necessary either, but it kind of shows like Shrek. The Shrek penguin connection is a lot deeper as well as the fact that like penguin really could have, had Shrek's life, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if he, if he, this had, works a lot been Abandoned, yeah. So, but
0: also, if they do, I know Strick, Strickland, Strick. Uh, what, Strick? Strick yeah. adds this kill the firstborn son well, thing. Strick, so that
1: would be Strick, Strick Shrek. destroyed the that subplot. He's he okay. Strick got rid of that twist. Okay, it's kind of funny. But if then,
0: but if he but if it wasn't destroyed, that would be interesting because then he would definitely be killing his older brother at that point. Yeah, right? he would. Yeah,
1: so that would that would. Honestly, that would make more sense. Kill the firstborn sons because I was a second born and I was number two. So kill all the firstborn.
0: Yeah, exactly. You
1: know? um, so this is where things kind of go off the rails. But anyway, you <laughs> mean more, it than more than a penguin army. So we got that the twist. To the end. We got that twist. We got the kid helping Batman get the penguins back to the zoo. Penguin does the whole my babies and shit like that.
0: <laughs> that shit's <just> great, actually. <laughs> kid I deep- think it's great.
1: The kid debriefs with Batman. And the kid's like, We saved the city or what, man? And Batman's like, Getting there. I owe you two. You got a name? And the kid's like, Yeah, but I like to be called Robin. Okay. And Batman says, Nice name. And he's like, Oh, Robin. And he turns around and finds Robin's gone. And Batman smiles because Robin basically pulled the Batman on him.
0: That's good. I will allow
1: it. Uh, and Batman <laughs> tracks down Penguin. And Penguin's on the, the roller coaster of the zoo. And, he, and Batman swoops down and they have a fight on the roller coaster car. And Batman says, You're so small and cuddly and so much fun to beat. <laughs> Oh my god, <laughs> that's a real line that's fucking stupid and as they're fighting penguin says all i ever wanted was the love of my fellow man and their painful destruction batman says i understand i protect the people of gotham city from themselves that means i must love and despise i might be the light i must be the light and the dark okay penguin says oh stall for time much life is scary you're a man who wants to be a bat i'm a freaky bird who wants to be a man did you know that i found out tonight max shrek is my brother can you believe that That's some
0: stupid ass dialogue.
1: (laughs) Two on the nose. I know. Batman snorts, then laughs slowly, deeply. Penguin contorts in a wild cackle of camaraderie and says, Hey, I wonder what Catwoman's deal was. Batman says, Actually, she's my girlfriend. But Batman and Penguin laugh together. This is very killing joke like. Okay. The Batman and villain laughing together type of thing. Killing
0: joke was written at this point, right?
1: Killing joke was already written, and Daniel Mm -hmm. Waters liked it.
0: Okay. Um, Yeah, that's right. Well,
1: I mean, Burton was was a bigger fan of it. I think Waters is on record for liking The Dark Knight Returns. Okay. Um, which does have an undercurrent of the whole like satire on the public thing, but Miller was way better at writing that than Waters was. Yeah. Uh Penguin says, You know, we could talk all night about why we do what we do, why we dress the way we do, who had the best childhood trauma, who got the worst genes, who's the real monster, and what's truly human. But hey, in the end, it all comes down to who's holding the umbrella. Any last words? And Batman says, Yeah, laser bunny, which is the same words that Penguin used to use the pigeons on him, except in this verse except now Batman's got the bats swarming around Penguin. And that causes Penguin to fall off the roller coaster. Uh, Batman's confrontation with Catwoman is pretty much the same. Alfred weirdly shows up while Batman is looking for Selena's body. He like, okay. puts a hand on his shoulder. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Uh, we hear Catwoman screams as Shrek is blown up too. So like it's implied that she is killed as well. Cause remember that was a last minute addition. Yeah. 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 To the movie. Yeah. So she was presumably killed. And then we see Penguin and instead of the whole penguin coming out and it's all sad and shit and pulls out the umbrella, Penguin just kind of falls out of the roller coaster and says, Catwoman, death is like this. And then he dies. Not as good.
0: That's ridiculous.
1: (laughs) That is ridiculous. In Wesley Strick's script, uh, at some point, Batman was going to hold the umbrella gun on Penguin. As Penguin was dying, this is another very cold for Batman like, to Like he's
0: holding a gun. That's what that's that's like a core thing to his character. Yeah, he doesn't like guns.
1: But the uh, Penguin dies of overheating, presumably in the movie. That's That's what he dies of. He dies of overheating. That's why he's like the AC. But Penguin dies of overheating before Batman really has a need to use the gun on him. So that's how that ends. Uh, there's no again, there's no moment where Batman's name is cleared <laughs> in any version of this. But somehow we still cut to a scene where Gordon, the mayor at the bat signal and Gordon's like think he'll ever forgive us and the mayor says probably not but he'll always help us. I don't know why the mayor's the one who seems to know Batman better than Gordon but <laughs> that's how it is in the script. Uh Punch and Juliet uh, are walking around the city and they're like maybe we can get a job from the Riddler since the Penguin's gone.
0: Oh and really? They,
1: yeah. So there's a mention of Riddler at the end. And then they, they say the Riddler? Or they say They literally Riddler? say the Riddler. Yeah. Oh my god. And then they press a the button on the crosswalk and it blows up because that was the last of Penguin's trap crosswalks. So they're dead too the explosion that killed Max Shrek, Shrek causes the uh, electricity of Gotham City to blink on and off, which is kind of cool because that's exactly what Max was talking about in the beginning of Batman Returns where he's like, imagine Gotham City lights blinking on and off, embarrassing low on juice. Well, it is now because they blew up the generator, He got blown up in the generator that caused it. So the bat signal that would show up at the end would be flashing on and off because it, it, the electricity is going on the on the fritz. Um, Some other stuff that Wasn't in the draft that I read, but is said to be in different drafts. that Daniel Waters did. He said for when asked about Two-Face, this is why I know that Max Shrek wasn't supposed to be Harvey Dent because he got asked about it. And Daniel Waters said, quote, I flirted with it, having Harvey start to come back and have one scene of him where he flips a coin and it's the good side of the coin. So he decides not to do anything and you had to wait for the next movie. Okay, so it would have just been a cameo of Two-Face, it seems like, because otherwise, why would Harvey... Flip a coin and it's the good side of the coin. It's obviously, he meant, he meant two face. They really
0: wanted two face,
1: they wanted to find a way to fit two face in, even though uh, Warner Brothers was all intended making it Danny DeVito's the penguin.
0: It would have fit uh, Burton's aesthetic as well. A two- yeah, a two face that would have been interesting to see.
1: Also, Danny Waters claims that he would have brought Alexander Knox back. He said, quote, I really didn't like Robert Will's character. Alexander Knox, the reporter guy. So I had a scene in my script where I had him crucified to the bat signal with his dead body flashing all over the city. Stupid.
0: <laughs> but that guy was sort of annoying. But that guy, that actor's performance is so fucking believable. Mm-hmm. He is so natural on camera.
1: Yes. So I. I think he like the, the way that Knox was supposed to die in Hamstraff was how that arc would have closed out. I don't know what Waters had in mind, but it undoubtedly would have been worse than what than what Ham ever wrote. So that's some of the stuff that Daniel Waters had for the original draft with a little bit of some of my knowledge of what got changed in the shooting script. That was more or less what you saw in the movie. Okay. Uh, as I said before, Annette Benning was the original choice for Catwoman. However, uh, there was a controversy at the time because Sean Young wanted to come back because she got booted off the first movie. So she made her own Catwoman suit. And went to Warner Brothers in the Catwoman suit to track down Tim Burton, and freaked everybody out. And apparently, it was very, <laughs> was very crazy about
0: this. Overzealous, maybe. Overzealous. Yeah, and not so the, not
1: the way to do it. Right. She even showed up on a talk show trying to be Catwoman and stuff like that. Uh, at the time, they were trying to figure out who to play Robin. Yeah, I'm sure you, um, you probably heard about this, but the kid, the mechanic kid, the idea was that it was going to be Marlon Wayans.
0: Oh really? Oh kid. yes, I have heard of this. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes.
1: Um, supposedly Tay Diggs was also considered at the time. Okay. Uh, he just very recently said that he was considered for Robin when they were thinking of making Robin black, and this was the only time where that was that would have happened. It's kind of weird timeline wise, because Tay Diggs wasn't really in anything at the time, but yeah. who knows? Like, you know, they might have just been looking for any unknown African American actor at the time. Yeah. But the the fact that Robin was going to be in the Batman Returns originally led to DC comics being like, we need to redesign the Robin costume because you can't have him with the the green booties and the bare legs and shit like that. So they turned to Neil Adams to redesign the costume and he made it more covered up and everything like that. And when it didn't go through for Batman returns, DC comics still wanted to use it. And that became the Tim Drake Robin costume in the comics. Okay. So in a weird way, Batman returns played a role in Tim Drake. Okay, in a weird way Roundabout. Uh, huh? Yeah. yeah uh, Robin toys were still sold with Batman Returns even though he wasn't in the movie uh, Are but you it was, serious? Yeah uh, God, I don't know if I remember that or not, but it was the traditional Robin like there was no there's no action figure of Marlon Wayne's. Yeah, 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 Robin. yeah,
0: but still yeah. though. Yeah,
1: I mean if it was that would definitely be a collector's item, you know Yeah, but it didn't even get to that point. He was hired and he was paid, but he never he didn't shoot a single frame Yeah of anything, but that is what could have been for Batman Returns, both the original, the very original Ham version and the original draft for the movie we just saw.
0: To me, it seems like if there was some combination of Ham's Batman arc. Yeah. But Burton going full Burton with the villains, it would have been a perfect movie. <laughs> like, yeah. Better than what we, that's like the best possible of the comp combination
1: of elements. I mean, can you imagine DeVito's Penguin storming Wayne Manor? Being like, Merry Christmas, everybody. I mean, like, w-
0: like I that. said yeah. in the last episode, I had... A slight issue, not that it was bad. I mean, it was it was good, but the whole spectacle of the ending, I think that yeah. it's a it's a at least a half step down from eighty nine Batman. Mm-hmm. But if if they were fucking storming the gates of Wayne Manor or inside it, and there was like parasol guns blasting off in the Batcave
1: and shit, the armory scene, yeah,
0: and he's like fucking flying around with the glider in the Batcave and shit, and You got Robin there, like it, it could have been. Really fucking nuts. Yeah. You know? So I mean I agree with
1: you. Yeah. Like yeah. The the portrayal of the villains is really what makes Daniel Waters' script like I can understand why it was made, even though I hate the original draft. Like I I get it.
0: At least it was edited to something much better.
1: Yes. Much better. Thank you, Wesley Strick. Yeah. Uh but the the ham draft just it's it's like you you sort of weep over what could have been with some of the cool ideas and even if the villains weren't up to snuff, they the Batman as a detective Bruce Wayne's money coming from corruption the whole corrupt of the rich theme type of that the way that Robin is put in is kind of more interesting than just doing another circus thing you know right uh so I I you know would have loved an alternate universe where that movie was made uh with more maybe more fleshed out version of Penguin Catwoman but again we probably wouldn't have you know, it would be a universe where we didn't see a Michelle Pfeiffer type Catwoman, unless they somehow were able to combine this version with the ham draft.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that's what I got for Batman returns. What could have been or Batman two as both drafts were called. Obviously I prefer one way more than the other, but right, right. <laughs> other people might have other preferences.
0: Man. I love doing these. These <laughs> are really cool. It's, mm-hmm. it's always interesting to see what, what could have been. And uh, I don't know. My I'm, my mind is kind of blown right now, and I'm trying to just take it all in. <laughs> I really. told you
1: these would be even more interesting than 89 yeah, ones. Because 89 yeah. is pretty straightforward. we just like, okay, it's Batman's origin. fights Joker. And this one yeah. is just like, look at how many different directions this could have gone, and the whole Max Shrek twist and everything. Like it's
0: Max Shrek being his brother, and then trying to get Robin in again. One of the most interesting things to all, all these histories, this one and the last one, is is how Robin didn't make it yeah. again. Mm-hmm. And like you had the, the you know Ben Affleck and um Matt Damon in the first one, and then for it, yeah. talking about an African American Robin this time around, and I, man, it's like that's it's it's just mind blowing. They finally get forty year old Chris At <laughs> <laughs> for Batman Forever. <laughs> I so, do
1: wonder how history would have gone if Marlon Wayans was Robin. You know, for for Batman Returns, even though I might not care for the characterization in the script, just the fact that you could get you know you get a black actor as Robin. It changes a lot of, you know, because the whole you already had a black Harvey Dent. Now you got a black, you know, Dick Grayson, presumably yeah. like there's yeah. there's a lot of different directions you can go. Presumably you could have Billy D. Williams come back against Marlon Wayans as Robin, you know, like it's there's a lot of different directions they could have gone in.
0: Let me ask you a question. This is a side tangent. Sure. Related, though. Yeah. Uh, did you think growing up that the Batman animated series Two-Face was black? I didn't, but, I, uh, but that's a thing though, isn't it?
1: I, that's what I've heard people say, but I don't think he is. He looks more. I think we talked about this in a past episode. I think, uh, Joey brought up that he would have cast Bobby Cannavale because Bobby Cannavale looks like Harvey Dent from the cartoon, which Can, means Cannavale would be wonderful. Cannavale. So to me, that means that Harvey Dent looks like he's an Italian dude <laughs> or Italian American
0: dude. Yeah, yeah. In the series, so my yeah. brother, yeah. my adoptive brother, said that he grew up thinking that, um, that 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 animated one was was black and uh i did not know that until (laughs) i did not know people even thought of that but then i looked it up if you google this if you're also like you know uh, flabbergasted like i was right now listening to this podcast google it and you will find that this is a thing people do think this Mm -hmm.
1: so i yeah and i I never thought that when i first heard about it, i was like really i considered it and then i rewatched it and i was like this doesn't He's also voiced by a white actor. Like, there's a lot of stuff that I'm just like, uh, like, I don't know. Like, the,
0: the theory is that he's like just racially ambiguous enough. Plus the Billy Dee Williams connection.
1: So, right. I don't because know. Penguin, like Bruce, Tim was on the set of Batman Returns. Was he really? To draw DeVito. And that's where he drew the Penguin uh, Batman animated series version off of. Okay, gotcha. Uh, and similar thing with Catwoman, even though Catwoman's outfit is very different from the Batman Returns one, the fact that she has long blonde hair. Yeah. where And then when they did the revamp, she had short brunette hair. Okay. So it's, it's, that it was very influenced by the, the Burton stuff at the time. And of course they used the Danny Elfman theme and everything, but they, they wanted that connection until later on. They're just like, okay, do whatever you want because you bruised right. him. Right, right. So it, it, I can, I can kind of see why people might think, oh, like Billy D. Williams because of the Burton connection. But I I don't know if they, because Billy D. Williams was such a small part of the 89 movie, I don't know if it really mattered to Warner Brothers. It basically didn't seem like Warner Brothers gave a shit about Harvey Dent or Two Face because they just didn't want, like, he had such a small role in the first one and then they didn't even let him have a role at all in Batman Returns. Um, they weren't interested in bringing him back or, or whatever but it's it, he didn't really come back until the next one right right and that's when because schumacher wanted him i mean i'll preface this there's a lot of people online being like yeah like we could have gotten batman forever with michael keaton's batman and marlon waynes as robin and robin williams is riddler and billy d williams is 2 It Would have been directed by tim burton that's not really the case because schumacher was the one who wanted two-face and the writers he hired for batman forever wanted to do the riddler okay so at no point did we ever really know what burton's ideas for the third movie would have been he was booted off too quickly to know there's a lot of rumors in terms of what it could have been some say that he would have put in the scarecrow and shit like that but there's nothing i i I think if he actually did have an idea we would have known by now like for sure we would have known by now.
0: right 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 it would have spent taking an interview or something
1: yep exactly (laughs)
0: so this concludes the batman returns deep dive the Mm two-parter we will be going into the batman forever deep dive and that one's going to be interesting because i haven't seen that in a very long time um looking forward to going
1: back to 1995
0: mostly famous for the seal song (laughs) um (laughs) kiss from a rose but anyway uh that's it that uh this episode and uh please check us out on patreon.com slash superhouse podcast it's patreo com slash superhouse podcast superhouse podcast is also on facebook twitter and instagram and i am thunderwolf drew on instagram and twitter and ben
1: i am ben Juan writer on instagram
0: and that's going to do it for this episode catch us on the next one this is andrew signing off
1: ben signing off <laughs> I'm thing.